everybody. Welcome back to the bestofrods.com comic book podcast. As always, I'm dead. Joe, today we have Nico. Howdy. And a slightly sauce birdie. <laughs> I see them. I still see them. I might be joining you soon. I have a drink on the way. <laughs> <laughs> on the way from I where? The dining cart? To see them. Yeah, my, my girlfriend's bringing it to me. She's nice. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, she has to be nice to you. She also tries to make you read Neo back, girl. <laughs> she tried. <laughs> she tried is the main... Uh, no, just forget about order. continuity. Continuity doesn't matter. It's a really good book. <laughs> Babtar, Babstar is a fine person. She's not an internet <laughs> troll in comic writer form. Oh, that's great. She wasn't even the writer on that. She was the artist. Ah, still. <laughs> anyway, uh, I guess there's events. Yeah. Yes. So Doomsday Clock is still happening. Doomsday Clock 5 is out now. And in a shocking turn of events, I haven't read it yet because I haven't been sleeping. Yeah, that's a problem. <laughs> yeah, it's been a matter of like, I just go to sleep and then wake up three hours later. Or I try to go to sleep and can't due to horrible humidity or my own internal fucking paranoia that I might have sleep apnea and just die in my sleep. You don't want that. Things scare me. (laughs) Especially considering that one of my, one of the reasons I do this, that's how he passed. But anyway, yes, I'm a bit behind. Um, I'll be getting caught up by next episode. Hopefully. I'm almost there. Mm. But in the meantime, Nico, you read Doomsday Clock 5. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I, I'd rather... I will I will briefly just talk about how I felt about it, but not to get into specifics, because I do want to hear what you think when you do end up reading it by next episode. And there'll be no other issue of Doomsday Clock at that time, because it's coming out every six months, it feels like, at this point. So, yep. <laughs> um, I'm still very, very conflicted with this book. Every issue that comes out, I based I don't, on what Dead Man said, that sounds still sounds like you like it more than he does. I I've been enjoying it for the most part, but it's been more so out of honestly general curiosity of like what he like. I still don't know what this series is. Like that's just put it that way. Like I get it. I get what like. Like what he's doing by trying to put the Watchmen into the more of the grander, like the bigger, like DC universe now. But it's it's just it, I don't I, I don't understand like some of the choices that are being made, and it's and it feel like it, every issue that goes by, there's more and more that's either changing me of what like became be, became before this, like for the Watchmen continuity, or like I don't like where he's I don't enjoy the choices he's making like just in general like or or I don't know where the story is going like I don't know like if does this even have anything to do with DC Rebirth anymore like you know what I mean like how it started out where when uh-huh. they first it start, gave it started out little, like let's find Dr. Manhattan the guy who did all this and now yeah we're five issues in we haven't even fucking seen him and now it's turning into countdown <laughs> Yeah, going to get to the end. It's going to be about Ray Palmer fighting Scrappy Doo. <laughs> so that's all. I just, I just don't know what to think of this. So, like, again, 
I just quickly mention the things I have been enjoying every issue. I, I'm still enjoying the Gary Frank art. I think he's doing a great job. Um, that being said, I, I, like I said, I don't like some of the choices Jeff Johns is making with these characters. Uh, Joker, really? jo- yeah, <laughs> Joker <laughs> ends up sh- showing up in this issue at the end. Um, and Rorschach has a Green Lantern by the end of it. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, sure. Okay, fuck it. Yeah. He has the ability to overcome great fear by murdering everyone. Um Well, that that is the way you do it. You get some more so you get some like uh, some Clark scenes in this and then you get some more Batman. So like by this fifth issue, we're we're fully into the DC like it, this felt more like the DC universe than the Watchmen stuff. So so yeah, I mean, I guess he's making that transition over now. Um so I don't know. I I'll wait. I don't want to get into story specifics. I'll wait till till you read Dead Man. And we can discuss it a little bit more in depth. But I, it's not that. Again, I did not not enjoy it. I thought it was it, this issue was okay. Uh, I, but out of the five issues, I've maybe really enjoyed maybe two of them so far, and the rest of it. I, one issue I really hated, and the other issues I just I'm just like I have I have no clue what to think of them. Okay. <laughs> so so I'm kind of indifferent like uh, yeah I'm somewhere in the middle like I so I'm not I'm not loving it I definitely probably like Bertie said I'm I've been enjoying it more than you have but I I just I I just want to figure out where we're going with this like we're almost halfway through this series and I I I just don't know what the point of all this is like I really would like you know and if he and if he finishes it he sticks the landing and wraps it wraps it up in nice you know bow at the end and it's just like oh wow you know like i i like if if this all makes sense and becomes clear like what the point of this was other than just to fucking sell a shitload of books based off watchman's name yeah yeah then um, i'll you know whatever but anyways. yeah i've been listening to a lot of push a t lately and that's got me in the mindset of beefs and i yeah. know this i know this isn't the case because this is in industry, but I'm just seeing in my mind just fucking Jeff Johns and Dan DiDio is like sitting in a dark office somewhere, lining out their whole like marketing and publishing plan to specifically do this to get Alan Moore really pissed off. <laughs> it really seems that way, right? Like, well, I yeah, know yeah, it's just, yeah, just like, it, like once this is all wrapped up, they're going to be announcing like, hey, so you know how we're releasing like individual hardcover issues of Watchmen? Well, we're going to be doing that with Doomsday Clock, as well as before Watchmen. And by the way, Alan Moore, we're just going to be airdropping some into your fucking living room. <laughs> just take that, you fucking old hermit asshole. <laughs> yeah, I pushed a T album. The new one's pretty good. You heard the story of Adidon? Yeah, the Drake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He. Oh, he did him dirty. Our, uh, <laughs> our, our favorite Canadian rapper, uh, was like arguably the biggest one at this point. Is uh, really that was probably his first big loss to the general public. <laughs> I, I do not understand how people see him as a rapper. I have never seen him as a rapper. Yeah. For he me, raps. he's always been an R and B guy <laughs> who can't rap but thinks he can. <laughs> Anyway, but, yeah, that's not about music. Peg. Yeah, <laughs> that's not about two white Canadians talking about hip hop. Yeah, but that was good. Yes, I heard it. But <laughs> Doomsday Clock, um, I don't know. <laughs> 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 I don't know what this is. I really don't. 
I, I like the cover though. I, I the cover was pretty cool. It was um, there's two very there's a couple different uh, of course two variants uh, to this, but the cover Much I got to my I think, sh- fucking chagrin. <laughs> yeah, the the cover I got was I think the the main cover, which was an X-ray um, view of um, what's Osmandius was like just his X-ray, like you just see his skull. So like it looked, it was kind of. A Did you see the cancer? Yep, you do. You see the tumor in his head, it looks like. I guess there's, like, some um, growth there, you can tell. But. Yep, that's that's what prompted Ozymandias to go out and stay like, hey, I, I fucked up, bro. That's how the issue starts out, too, is with him um, in the hospital, and you kind of get into a little bit of that. I'm actually really enjoying his part of this story. I think that... His story's been good. The Rorschach Batman stuff was good, but we've moved on from that now. Yep. Um, it seems like. Anyways. Yeah. That's my doomsday clock. Birdie. All right. So I just spent the day mired in the worst excesses of uh, the U.S. history's worst aspects. He's so from I the South. I needed to do a little self-care shit today. So I read some shit and drank some shit. And I want to talk about two of those things that I thought were good. Nice. First, I'm going to start with the thing that I think Nico will like. Let's talk about Black Sad. Oh, yes. Did I... How'd you know I... I, I did we talk about this before? Did I mention no. it or... No. How'd you know I've read this? He didn't. He just think, uh, he just thought you would like it. It just. It, I just. Oh yeah. At, I, I just looked at everything and it. it's like, yeah, this is an eco book. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. I love Black Sad. <laughs> you're not wrong. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's a Zootopia world set in the 1950s, starring a black cat private detective in New York who is mm. royally fucked up and just work going from case to case, being that grimy noir 1950s pulpy mm. detective. Dealing mm. with shit from uh, conf- uh, both confirming and rejecting stereotypes. Like he has this long scene where it's like, you know, there's this weird, there's a saying that cat, that cats have this lack of affinity for rats. And they say it's partially because we hate their fur, which I think is not true. And the other is that we just think they're annoying, which they are. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, yeah, no, yeah. I, think- I I did a, I did a Google image search for this and found a picture of a cat holding a gun in a pug's mouth, and I was like, "Is this the right thing?" Yeah, that's the that's page two. Outstanding. Yeah, it literally starts with you know a, a cheesy noir. You can hear the saxophone in the background, the flashback where he's talking about when he was happy with this actress starlet, and the way they met is <laughs> she asked for protection from a stalker, so he played Russian roulette in the guy's mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this looks really fucking good. It it is. Yeah, the art's amazing. And if there's any book I will forgive ridiculously purple prose, it's a noir story. Mm. Particularly a really good noir story. <laughs> and uh this guy, uh, the, the the author uh Juan Diaz Canales he has some of the most purple prose I've come across in a in a while. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, just looking, they say, he's like, uh, 
I've lived through and seen so many incredible things that when people read it, they'll think I made it all up. They'll say that so much evil could not possibly exist in this world. I wouldn't be surprised if it ended up published as a detective novel. But I'm sure it would sell like hotcakes. People are morbid. <laughs> I, I believe his background, he used to be a, uh, a Disney animator, I believe, this guy. If I'm not uh, I don't know much about him personally, but I mean, they come uh, the, the artist or the writer? Or the writer? The the artist. Uh, okay, isn't uh, it the Juan, same guy? Juan Joe. No, no. It's written. It's drawn by a guy named Juan Joe Guarnido. We probably okay, horribly so mispronounced that name, and we apologize. It's, it's, yeah. So sorry. It's yeah, the I'm, artist, I'm making the an, an, I guess an estimate based on my own knowledge of how to pronounce Hispanic names. If I'm pronouncing it wrong, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh yeah, and actually, uh, he was. Okay, this is weird. He was the lead animator for the for the fucking I think the leopard. Yeah, no, okay, yeah. He was the lead animator for the fucking panther thing, the le- le- yeah, leopard in the t- in the movie Tarzan. That oh. makes a lot of sense. Oh, okay. <laughs> cuz I can see a lot cuz like the whole time like they call him a cat, but mm. whenever I look at John Black's set, I see more panther than cat. Yeah. So, uh yeah, that makes a whole lot of sense actually. And he does have some great fight scenes with uh yeah. he, has, he 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 has this joke about, and this assassin's so good, he even manages the stupid, cheesy trick of disappearing into the fog. He, he, he's so and he's white. Like, and he's uh, uh, in the first chat when he's his first when first he's getting his nose too far in, and they send someone to mm. stop him. It's an it's a lizard assassin. Right, right, right. And, Assassino. Uh, he after the first stab uh, when. Black Sad turns around to fight him. He's disappeared mm. into the fog, and he's like, "Great, now I'm dealing mm. with Jack the Ripper." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah just off, oh, son of a bitch. Yeah, that's and, that's what's fun about it. it. Yeah. Anyways, go on. Yeah. Yeah, and then he has this, this thing. He's like, "Normally, I would just run and seek help, but no detective likes his trench coat being nicked." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's very gritty. I that's that's the fun thing about this was though I found I found all the animal people in the story like just fit the characteristics of like what type yeah. of people they were like you yeah. know what I mean like the scumbag ones would be like rats or whatever you know what I mean like like, yeah. like well, you but said, I mean, yeah. even the loyal and honest dog character that story still ends with um the the police chief telling Black Sad look I've been told to drop this case because it's getting too high up um. Kill the fucker who did this, and I'll cover it for you. <laughs> oh god, that is. Uh, god I think damn, it's like noir. There's like a big enforcer guy who's like a uh, like a rhino yeah. or I something. Mean, yeah, a rhino. He the 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 villain of the first story uh, has two uh, bodyguards: a rhino and a bear. Mm. Yeah, I mean that makes sense. And like they, they, and the, when the, they the throw him in a graveyard yeah. to do the henchman beatdown, he gets beat down. But um, when when uh, Black Sad sneaks into the bad guy's office afterwards, um, he catches them by surprise and KOs them both with a propane tank. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that sounds cool. Yeah. To, to, and uh, the him covering for him comes in the form of when the two assassins, when the two gutty guards inevitably try to file charges against the guy who brutally assaulted them, and he, they, the police bring him in and they positively identify him. The police chief says, 
Uh, no, that can't be possible. The police lieutenant was keeping an eye on him as a murder suspect the whole time. He can't possibly have done this. <laughs> Ain't that right, Detail- Officer Fox? Sure is, sir. This is bullshit! Now, now, gentlemen, don't be rude. <laughs> I really oh, like this book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Great yeah. yeah. And I even have... when he... Yeah, and uh, you get a great sense of who Black Sat is as a character. Is like uh, when he kills the bad guy, he has this, or he he hesitates for a whole page, just looking at this asshole smug face when the guy tells him you don't have the balls, you have too much of a moral center, and the the asshole makes the mistake of smug uh, smugly grinning at him, and he then says, "If I had, if it hadn't been for that smirk, I wouldn't have been able to kill him." <laughs> <laughs> Is sorry, Barry, because I don't know, because there's a bunch of different short stories of Black Side. I don't know which ones you yeah. read, but um, but um, I, I read the first volume collection, which okay. has like four stories in it. And is that I'm the one? To get, yeah, sorry, go on. I'm gonna get the I'm gonna get the others when I get a chance. I just haven't had to, a chance. Yeah, to I think there's there's three different I think collections Dark Horse has, but the one yeah, as, I was I, I, yeah, sorry, go on. So as far as the ones released in English, uh, there are. I believe five full stories. The first three were collected and translated in a single volume by Dark Horse. The second one, A Silent Hell, was then released separately, mm-hmm. as well as the fifth one, Amarillo. Mm-hmm. And and is the first book that you read there, uh, Birdie, the um, the one with it, that guy who's who's like a friend of his? I don't know if he's like a newspaper sale, but like he's very greasy and like and like. Dirty, like is like he's, uh, a good, he's a good guy, but he like he doesn't have good moral hygiene or something like that. <laughs> like, uh, that's not I don't think not moral. The first story I, mean, I read the first okay. one I read had like the the gorilla boxer who called him a piece of shit who no chick would want to hold on to, or the uh, the, mm. the 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 walrus um, mm. movie producer who's basically J Jonah Jameson. Mm. And is the guy where, you're uh, thinking he, yeah, of? Oh, uh, that's another. That's another really funny line from it, where he says, "I asked for a saxophonist. This is a xylophonist. No, <laughs> they are not the same thing. One is a saxophone, and the other is a xylophone." <laughs> and also, Nico, are you thinking of Weekly? That's his name. Thank you. Yep. I, I yeah, like that. Uh, might be in one of the other stories I've read. I, okay. I, I haven't read through the whole thing I have yet. I just read the first one and I wanted to talk about it. Either in the in the case of like, you know, you and me being noir buddies, we just like jumping sure. up and down with glee with this. Or <laughs> if you hadn't read this, I'm like, oh, Nico, you have to read this. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I've, yeah, you're you're absolutely right. And yeah, no, I, I am aware of this. Um, I, I love Black Sad. It's uh, yeah, great pick. To Man, I gotta That's... deal with. I gotta fucking read this. Goddamn. It's really yeah. well done. It's by Dark Horse, and I got the first collection for five bucks for 180 pages of stuff. This just look at the art in this thing, Dead yeah. Hand. This is I amazing. have already, dude. I've yeah. added the fucking hardcover copy to my Amazon fucking cart. Yeah, I mean the art alone is. I, I own the all art three hardcovers. Incredible. Yeah. yeah. No, I know. Um, it's very very good looking, and Which like is the weird expressions. That the last oh. week I talked about. <laughs> A, a, a indie series whose art was so laughably bad, and then I go to this. <laughs> it's like a master class in storytelling. Yeah, just a hard fucking swing. Like all, all, oh god, it is so good. Yeah, and like like the image that I saw of it, the first image I saw of you know the fucking black sad gun in the dude's mouth. 
uh, like once I once I read like oh yeah he d- he did the fucking animation for the fucking leopard I I looked back and I was like fuck now I can't not see the leopard yeah well I mean I, even before I knew that I just even though they call him a cat I just think panther the whole time because mm-hmm. of the way he moves <laughs> the structure of his body the way he looks when he's angry because he's angry a lot yeah. in this yeah. uh-huh. he does have a charming smile occasionally and he pulls some you know devilish rogue level schemes well, like he, well, he constantly yeah. is like hey no i totally didn't break in i had the keys right here see where did you get those from i had them the whole time <laughs> <laughs> well, that, well that's what i was gonna say like the the actual artist is able to like sh- like the expressions he he he, he 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 he's able to draw on these characters yeah it makes them look like no this is definitely people. a case where it's crazy this is definitely a case where the art and the writing ma- mesh mm-hmm and it's a masterclass in atmosphere in a, mm-hmm. in a visual storytelling sense. Like, I loved um, Fade Out, but this might actually have better atmosphere than Fade Out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I wouldn't. I Yeah. No, you're sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I'm totally glad. I'm glad that you've also read this because I would have been really sad if the resident noir guy on the site had never touched <laughs> this. <laughs> Yeah, no, definitely. When you get a chance, uh, pick up the other two uh, that uh, De- uh, Bur- uh, Dead Man mentioned, the uh, Ar- Armadillo yep. or whatever the hell it's called, Amarillo, it's, uh, Amarillo, it's, Amarillo. Yeah, yeah. It's I Texas. own them. I just, it's yeah. the part of Texas no one wants to go to. <laughs> it's also the name of a yeah. really good gorilla song. Um, yeah, those are good too. God, yeah. I can't wait for the new fucking album. So yeah, Black Sad, uh, pick it up. Like, like definitely pick it up. Like, like, please pick it up. So, is this like, still in? Is this still in print? I think so. I mean, uh, it was yeah, released again, in 2010, I fucking... and Dark Horse Comics—they've put... done a good job of keeping their older and newer stuff in print. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's still in print. Yeah, and I also, like I said, I just added it to my Amazon cart, so it's available. <laughs> All right, good. That's 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 great. All right, then. Yeah, to- totally worth it. On to my first pick, let's talk about Oblivion Song. I have no idea what this is. No, me neither. This is the new Robert Kirkman book. Oh, okay. Okay, that can be a good or a bad thing. Uh, So far, it's a good thing. There's one issue out, um, at least one issue that I've been able to read so far. Hmm. Uh, And it's interesting. So it starts out on this really fucked up alien world. Everything's gone to shit, covered in weird pustules and sludge and stuff. And two human people running terrified from the main character of a post-apocalyptic RPG. Just he got fucking weird mask on, big brown hood, covered in gunk with a sniper rifle. He shoots one of them, and that person disappears. Then a big alien turd monster rolls out of nowhere, destroys the building he's standing on, and tries to kill the other person. Shoots her, she disappears. Uh, Turns out that he is part of a, essentially a reclamation team. Because it hasn't been fully explained yet, but in this world, something happened where some chunk of people, like a not insignificant number, like a couple thousand, couple hundred or something, one day they just fucking disappeared. And in their place were monsters. Just weird, horrible alien creatures. Uh, turns out it was from either another planet or another dimension. And they basically switched places. Mm-hmm. Just a chunk of them disappeared, and then these monsters showed up in their place. Meanwhile, they were sent to the horrible alien world. 
And so our main guy with, with sniper rifle, uh, he is part of a team that has found a way to go to that world. And it is his job to find these people and bring them back. Um, when it, when it initially started, uh, he had like a he had a bigger team, more funding and stuff. But it's been ten years since this thing happened, and he is losing funding. So it's essentially down to him and two doctors working out of a trailer. But he's still going over there, and I'm really I'm really digging this. I'm really digging this whole setting. I'm really I'm digging this whole setting. I'm digging the whole concept. Um, and I do kind of like our main guy, but I'm not sure if it's actually because of his personality or because of just the shit he does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So main guy, I am trying currently going through trying to look up his name because I fucking forget because I'm an idiot like that. No, I'm bad with names too. Right, <laughs> I've so, his, so many comics. <laughs> all right. So his name is Nathan. Uh, and yeah, like after he brings them back, uh, he he kind of has like you know the big he kind of has a bit of like the gruff stuff like hey, the damn belt stopped working again as he's like talking about because he has a belt to return home but it stopped working so he had to fucking dart himself in the neck with the thing he shot the people with and yeah so he just kind of has like the big like gruff whatever and then later we see him and he is just like very like genuinely relieved and happy that these people are able to like get back and survive and everything just thanks the daughter of um just thanks the daughter of them from who's like hey uh, the daughter comes over is like oh god thank you fucking so much it was thought they were dead he's like no it's cool and then kind of the coolest thing he does is he goes to the memorial that lists all the names of the people disappeared and scratches off the people he just killing he just got back and that seems to be a thing that he does. Every time he goes and saves somebody, he scratches their name with a fucking hammer and chisel off the memorial. Mm-hmm. Which I just like that. I mm-hmm. it's a small little thing, but I it's a decent character beat for him that I that I enjoyed. But I can't really say much else about his character because it appears to just be that he is just he's just kind of an obsessive. Because at the beginning of this, he has a girlfriend. They appear to be happy, or at the very least, like not terrible. Uh, then turns out she's part of the committee that decides whether or not his organization gets funding. They decide against it, and then that night they break up because she because he's like, "Oh, you fucker! You just you just you just want to go find your brother. You don't want him to die. You don't want him to admit that he's dead." And she's like, and he just goes, "Fuck you, bitch. We don't know any of these people are fucking dead. They could be alive. Look at those other fuckers just brought back." <laughs> Turns into a big thing. Right. Uh and the and the title of the the series Oblivion Song is kind of interesting. Uh so over in that other world, there is no technology. There is no any of that. So it's all just... So when there aren't monsters or anything chasing you, it's all just quiet. And some people who have come back, uh, they kind of got addicted to that, to, that, to that silence. And they called it the Oblivion Song. Okay. Huh. Yeah, so far, so- I'm just kind of digging this. Um, the the writing decent. It, yeah, the writing is just like very solid Kirkman writing. Nothing too fancy, but nothing too terrible. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, artwork is, um, I believe it's by a guy named Lorito DeFelici. Oh, sorry, Lorenzo mm-hmm. DeFelici. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's good. He does he does really great with um, does really great with the um and the alien environments and the aliens themselves. Like when the when the first monsters up looks like something got a rumble. Mm-hmm. Oh, rumble! Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, people wise, uh, he's able to get he's able to get like some good movement out of him and like good emo good like emotive responses for everything. But it's kind of hit or miss sometimes. Mm-hmm. There's like yeah, a lot of I'm detail at, lines on their face. I, I'm looking at the art right now. Um, yeah, I think uh, you made a good comparison actually with the rumble. It kind of looks like James Heron, the artist that was on the first. Uh, few arcs of that book yeah yeah especially oh, like, monsters and environments it. yeah yeah yeah. i'm looking at a panel of this big kind of sluggish white monster lumbering towards him in the middle of a city uh yeah that looks good i like the art yeah yeah this is a solid book uh it, it sets up a lot of <laughs> it sets up a lot of good things um has a lot of things going forward that they can reveal they haven't like revealed everything yet but enough to get you like really did have to get you into the content of the book and yeah, I I'm giving giving this more of a chance. I'm I'm digging it so far. Yeah, I might have to check this out and uh, trade it when it comes out. I uh, I'm still reading Outcast by Kirkman as well. Um, I think it's good, but I don't think it should go on forever or as long as like something like Invincible has. Oh no, definitely, but uh, um, but like they're already still like forty issues or something almost. I think of that, and uh, I just wonder if he's going to continue to do these long, long series. I wouldn't mind seeing a few smaller series out of him from Image, like and some new ideas, like um, you know, hopefully this this is one of them. Like, I mean, it's hard to tell. Like you said, you've only read the one issue, but I yeah, uh, but I just it, don't think this this feels like a limited run, like at most twelve issues. Hmm. I just don't think every anything, everything he does needs to be like Walking Dead or fucking Invincible. You know what I mean? Like I, I don't even I, think The Walking Dead's that good, but that's it isn't me, personally. But but I but I meant in like length. It's been like 150 issues or something so oh, far, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah and <laughs> still going. Like he needs he needs to just fucking sit down and like bang out a complete story. Hmm. Yeah, because I wouldn't mind seeing because he was been do he was primarily doing Walking Dead and Invincible for so long. I wouldn't mind seeing some other new ideas from him. You know what I mean? So like yeah. this is something I wouldn't have expected from him. But this this looks pretty good though. Yeah. No, I uh, Yeah, yeah, it's really solid. Digging it. So Oblivion Song, huh. check it out. Nico. Um okay, so uh moving on over to DC. Um Man of Steel, which is uh the first uh full form uh, Superman book, I guess that Bendis is writing, which I think it's gonna be it's either a I think it's a five-issue miniseries, which is going to lead into him taking over the Superman uh, and action comics titles proper. Uh, this is being weekly. So and since the last time we recorded two issues, the third issue just came out this week, but I'm going to talk about the first two uh, have come out of Man of Steel. Uh, and basically, this is one of those things where Bendis is pulling some of the top talent, I guess, that DC has in terms of artists. Uh now that he's finally arrived after months and months of letting us know Bendis is coming. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Um, and this wasn't bad, actually. I'm enjoying it. Uh, this is, long listeners of the show might 
remember prior to this Peter Tomasi run, um, I wasn't a big Superman. Uh, I wouldn't say I wasn't a big Superman fan, but I didn't read too many of his comics. I didn't find the character all that interesting. But then I read with the Rebirth. I I last couple of years I've read the Peter Tomasi stuff. I mean, I, of course, I have my all-time story, like All-Star Superman I love. Like certain like certain big Superman stories I've read. And I remember we talked about Superman and American Alien, although that was not really a Superman story. That was more of like a Clark Kent story in the mo- for the most part, I think. Like, yeah, yeah. It was very much just about... It was, it was about Clark on his journey to becoming Superman. Yeah. Like, you know, here and there, I've I, I, obviously there's been lots of Justice League moments. Like, I, you know, I, I've, I liked Superman in small doses before. I never really read a run until really the most recent um, Tomasi uh, Rebirth stuff. And, and that, that was great. Yeah. Um, and now this is Bendis now over at uh, DC. And, and what I appreciate so far, I will say, out of these first two issues is... He's not dialed up Bendis to the max. Like this isn't like not, like this isn't he, he, Bendis. He, Superman's not talking like some <laughs> snide ass asshole, right? No, there, there's not uh, a f- there's not a full page spread that is fifty five percent dialogue, <laughs> right? No, no, there hasn't been a a, bo- a boardroom meeting with like <laughs> all of the Justice League as of yet. You know, <laughs> Superman's yeah. not quoting statistics for crime in the city of Metropolis and how they're yeah. down, but no, no. One wants to accept it I- because conspiracy. <laughs> like if I, I if I had to. Uh, give a number to it i'd say you know because you know ratings <laughs> so, no, not a rating though but i'd say like seven out of ten like bendis <laughs> like this is like on a scale of one to ten bendis yeah, like how bendis this bendis. was yeah exactly like or yeah 60 to 70 percent i'd yeah, say you never like, go full bendis yeah no <laughs> never full bendis <laughs> um so you can definitely tell at times this is him but it's not He's definitely establishing himself within the DC universe with these first couple of issues. Like, he has some of the Guardians show up for the Green Lantern people because they're basically having discussion in the past. Like, he shows flashbacks of the, basically, the big bad guy, which I mentioned before was in one of the, um, there was a short story that he did prior to this in the Action Comics 1000, which basically introduced the bad guy who was kind of shitty. Like, I didn't really enjoy seeing him. This Rogal Czar is his name. He was basically somebody who, who showed up and said he was responsible for taking out Krypton, and I guess in that sense, he's trying to change the story of how that all kind of went down, it seems like, um, or at least adding something to it, like Bendis tends to do, or, or without even researching <laughs> things. Uh, yeah. Yeah, um, but, uh, you know, for me, I don't know everything about Superman, so it didn't bother me in that sense, but at the same time, it's like... You could definitely tell he's playing in the in that water. Like he's kind of he's kind of you know trying to make his imprint already uh, in that sense uh, on Superman and and the Rogal Czar guy is kind of doomsday like. So I'm not really a fan of that either. But anyways, they have some flashbacks about how he kind of finally decided on taking out Krypton and he's speaking with uh, like a council of like cosmic characters from DC and you basically see the um, the one main dude from the guardians for the green lanterns i forgot his name you guys probably know it uh the the the, the main guy that was um uh, the main guardian of ganthet yes i think it's him yes thank you yeah he um and then there's another person i think that's starfire's father i want to say um like another alien like where is she from zal or whatever um tamaran. That, uh, tamaran sorry yeah no um so yeah so th- 
he definitely is is playing around with some of the maybe the lesser known people or or definitely using these people to his advantage and 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 they're and they're basically having a a, a discussion in the past where he's basically saying like they're you know they're too good for their own right like if you let these people st- stick around with their 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 they crave to learn and uh, with technology like they're basically too smart for their own good type of thing like we need to take out krypton or else they're all going to come for you and they're basically going to take over the universe like it's one of these things where he's like they must be stopped before everything we have sacrificed and fought for is warped and disregarded to the point that we will no longer recognize it as he puts it so 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 uh, you know so that so and they basically as a council they basically decide no uh we're not going to listen to your uh, request here to take out krypton we need them uh, you know, they're part of the grander scheme and things, so we're going to leave them alone. So he basically takes it upon himself where he's like, fuck you then, I'm pretty much going to go do this myself. So he kind of goes out on a mission to basically, where between the flashbacks of current day and past, Bendis is basically letting you know how he got to that point to destroy Krypton. And then and then we get into the main Superman proper story in the first issue of Man of Steel, and, uh, and the thing that was very interesting is you see Superman saving some people from a burning building, a very Superman thing to do. But then he meets the new, um, uh, the person, uh, this new fi- new deputy fire chief, Melody Moore is her name. And she's an attractive looking redhead that he meets while kind of helping take people out of a, bu- a burning building. And uh, she's kind of starts uh, flirting with him quite a bit, actually. Like, she's flirting with him, and then he's like, hey, listen, uh, you know, if you need some help looking into these investigations on his way out, he's like, uh, why don't you um, uh, contact Lois or Clark at the Daily Plant? He's like, you know what? No, just contact Clark. And he flies out the window, and I'm just like, is this guy fucking trying to... <laughs> yeah, he's like, trying to get like, it's seen that way, so I'm like, I don't know how I feel about that. I mean, this is obviously something we haven't seen before, but it's I'm like, like, hey, yo, girl, your name alliterative. Come get on this dick. So I don't know if I enjoy that or not, or if that's even what's happening, but it seemed very strange. And then by the second issue of Man of Steel, there's a rumor going around the Daily Planet that Lois is gone right now at this point. We still don't know the story of where she is at this moment or where she is gone, but there's a rumor going around that him and Lois are on the outs. In the Daily Planet, is John still around? Uh, so in between, in both of these issues, there has been a flashback moment of them at their house together, uh, with uh, a, a flash of light opening up the doors to their house and like a, and a beam and and kind of like his son saying, you know, Dad, what's going on or what's going. So something it seems happened to John and Lois, and we have yet to see them except for flashbacks in this story. So, I mean, by the end of this Man of Steel miniseries, I'm sure we'll find out what the current status quo of those characters are. As far as I can tell, they're still around, and Bendis hasn't changed much, but he definitely seems that he's planting the seeds of something where Clark is kind of fighting with maybe his interest in another woman. I don't know. I don't know. the ancient and powerful it's... force known as the Bendis. And, and I it hope It came down that... and retconned them out of existence. <laughs> Anyways, the first issue was really good. The second issue, not as good. Um, the artist on the first issue was Ivan Reese or Reyes. I don't know how you say his name. He's, you know, a, a, an artist that's worked with Johns a lot and he's like one of those house DC style artists. Very good. The, the issue looked great. And then you got, um, in the second issue, which was kind of shitty, they had Doc Shaner, who's <laughs> actually a really good artist. Uh, but they also had, um, 
Steve Rude, who's like a good old school artist, but he did the other half of the the story, and I don't know why I need fucking two artists. Sorry, three artists already on the second issue of this, even though Christ. there's different artists. Yeah. Uh, so Steve Rude's credited for pages 16 to 24, and he basically showed his drawings of the Daily Planet and the moments with Clark look like you stepped into the 1940s. Like, it, like there's like a, like it, it did not fit uh-huh. the tone. Hit the Japanese again, is he? Uh-huh. <laughs> like it, it looked like an issue of like uh, Astro City. Like I mean, Chu or whatever the fuck your name is. And I love, I like Astro City, but like the the styles of the clothing in these scenes, it's just like what the fuck. It happened? looks anachronistic. <laughs> it like he's wearing a double breasted suit and like the and what's his name? Um, the, um, Does the he editor? have a three point fedora? No, he doesn't have the fedora. Does but, he have a track uh, corner hat? <laughs> no, but is he gonna um, go fight the it? British Navy? It's Perry White, this editor, right? Yeah. Perry White is is yeah. uh, wearing a leopard skin print. Vest. <laughs> Jesus. So I'm, I'm just like, so like half of the story you could tell was in modern day. Yeah, you and know, all the, the st- things you wear to a fucking newspaper job in 2018. Yeah, I mean, if you can find the pages of Steve, <laughs> Steve Rude on Man of Steel, check them out because it's really ridiculous. Like the first half of the this, this story is great, great Doc Shaner art. And you have a scene with him fighting Toy Man, which is great. Like I loved it. And Green Lantern shows up. And then Green Lantern and him have a good, ex- an interesting exchange where um, he has problems going on in his life and he acknowledges it. But as soon as Green Lantern comes, he's like, uh, "Sorry, I gotta go." Like, and he just fucks off. And he's like, "Did he?" He's like, "I should have talked to him about my." Like, he he kind of didn't want to open up to him about what was go- going on recently with his life because he kind of asks asks him about the rumors that are happening apparently, and he just kind of fucks off and he's like, "Sorry, I gotta go save someone," you know. He's like, "Oh, hey, buddy, how was you going there with the fucking like your, your life, Derry?" And he's like, "Oh, wait, I hear somebody drowning. Superman, away!" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, I'm I'm enjoying a lot of this so far, to be honest. But the second issue, because the art issues and the fact that, um. And for whatever reason, I just didn't love it as much as the first one. But not bad so far. Um, I, I, I'm enjoying it for the most part, uh, as you can tell. I think that he's got some interesting things going on. I hope that's not the case with him thinking of being with someone else or if Lois has left him. I hope that's not the case But because I've been enjoying the whole Lois, um, you know, uh, John uh, dy- dynamic going yeah, on. Yeah, but right we have now. a new creative team on there. That means everything that came before has to be destroyed. You know, that's not true. <laughs> not necessarily, but it's Bendis, so I'm sure he's going to, like I said, he's going to want to put his imprint in. Spider-Man and somehow traded away Superman's marriage for <laughs> another <laughs> Oh, God. What if, what if Spider-Man just became like the Felix Faust of marriage? <laughs> just starts telling other people's marriage to get like more and more powerful spider powers? Also, Jay Fabok, who... We enjoy. We like Jay Fabok. He 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 has the same fucking flashback scene in both issues. Yeah, this is the artist Steve Rude. Yeah, there's the suit and there's the vest. <laughs> yeah, they're all. They also. <laughs> this entire thing is a throwback. Like fucking look at Superman's. Like yeah, the cowlick is always there, but like here it is incredibly pronounced, and he is like back to basically the strongman <laughs> outfit. He and, looks and, like and he belongs in Batman the Animated Series. Listen, the art's not bad though. No, this is it's not what a, it's, it's, it's just, it's, no, it just seems out of place. Wrong. It looks, yeah, it it looks like out of place. it looks like fucking Action Comics number one. Especially when and I and I'm sure that's or like what they're the Max Flesher 
Superman yeah. comics, anime, uh, animated shorts from the 40s where he would... His way of dealing with the Japanese was to jump into the water and pull an entire boat under with all the people still on it. <laughs> and, I, and I'm sure that's what they were Take going that, for. Like, because the whole point of the Man of Steel series is actually a a, a nod to the, the John Byrne when he came on Superman. He did a, a miniseries called Man of Steel yeah, but before he, he, he took over. He jumped back further than John Byrne. Yeah. No, that's what I mean. But yeah, it, it just like, seemed very out of place. Like, it does Superman odd. just, like, grab a car and chuck at somebody while some dude's in the foreground freaking out? Yeah, you know, yeah, like exactly. we're, a, we're a step Actually. or two. Now, okay, they, the way things are progressing from this one, I, by issue six, Bendis will have him shooting rainbows out of his fingers. Yeah. <laughs> um, but You're but like, that's oh, Lex Luthor has kidnapped Melody Moore. Better use my shape shifting powers. <laughs> but that's the weirdest thing, though. N- neither of the other, like, at, like that first half of this issue did not look or feel like this at all. And then it just like, it was a weird, drastic change. And it just, uh, you know, either pick one or the other. It just didn't make sense for them yeah. to do half of the issue like this style, right? I don't know. I'm just imagining, I'm just, I'm just imagining you look at the script and you just look at the script and then, like, like hand, like hand, the, hand the first few script pages out to whatever. And then when, when Steve Rude's turn, like, Bendis needed something to write on. And he wrote like and he wrote like military time seven forty or whatever and he's like nineteen forties, yeah okay I can do that, right? Then just submitted it and no one caught it. Well, that's the thing. I mean, maybe Bendis was like, oh man, Steve Rude, and he's kind of known for like this kind of old school style of his look uh, of his art. So maybe he's like, oh, I gotta get him to do like a old school Superman story. Yeah, I gotta look, get him to do I mean? seven so, pages. Right, which you know, I just didn't. It seemed weird. Anyways. Yeah. yeah. If I if I want to if I want to throw back to the glory the glory days of Superman, I'll just read Huck. Word. Oh, Huck. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> Word. I wonder is that one of the? I mean, I guess that's is that going to be one of the ones that they do a Netflix show of? Is that going to happen or? Like, I, I don't, don't know. know, but I don't know if they should or could. Right. Right. Well, that's my that was my next question. I don't know because like, like, I don't. That's a, I was like I'm racking my brain and I can't think of somebody. Who could be of the build of Huck, but still be like genuinely sweet? That mm-hmm. you kind of need to be to play Huck. Yeah, like a big oaf. <laughs> That's kind of like maybe. not even oaf. He's not stupid. You know what I mean? Like maybe he's kind of like big Cena? and and. <laughs> you need like John Cena and a half. Yeah, I don't know. I don't but know. No, like John Cena, I guess, is the closest. It was just it. I was just hoping for like a real actor. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. Yeah. So, so Man of Steel, Bendis's uh, uh, first book at DC, not not too bad. I mean, if you have a if you're a Bendis fan or if you're not a season like Superman reader, like I don't know how people who are a big fan of Superman feel about him this series so far or. Superman in general. I think it's like, too like, early like, to tell. Yeah, that's true too. Like, yeah, this, like this unless, is, unless you're spending your time like refreshing forums on CBR or something, right? And and, and and you know, and it's one of those things where this isn't even the main series yet. This is basically just his lead-in, right? So, yeah. so we'll see. Yeah. Anyways, in the meantime, be sure to check out Huck coming soon to Netflix from Mark Millar and Vince McMahon. <laughs> Very nice. It was me, Huck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a good person I can play. I'm Undertaker. There you go. <laughs> he's he he just retired, so you know. He's yeah, just, oh no, I lost my watch. 
It takes them like twenty minutes to come to the. <laughs> Like, no, not, not even that. Just, just like just like smoke begins filling this old lady's kitchen. And he rises from the floor, wide eyed. Like, oh, Huck, there you are. Look, I lost my watch. Can you find it? And just holds out his hand, like with like a yeah. like an urn, and it crushes it. And then out of the ashes comes her watch. The worst part would be if they didn't even choose the classic Dead Man Undertaker and and pick the biker one. <laughs> yeah, instead just biker Undertaker. No, that is that, not. That Huck. would be the Blade no, that'd be era terrible. movie. Huck. <laughs> but then, it, but then his mom shows up, and it's basically just Paul Bearer. <laughs> oh God, Debbie, can you imagine if Huck looked like the Blade movies? <laughs> oh God, his overalls would be replaced with like just a leather bodysuit. <laughs> just it's it's like he was raised to do one bad deed a day. <laughs> just, you just like sees the mailman. He's like, Shh, "Don't tell anyone." It's a surprise. He just starts taking dumps in people's mailboxes. Or he, or he sees in the he sees in the newspaper someone that the line some motherfuckers are always trying to ice kick. He's like, "That's stupid." <laughs> just just heads just heads over. To, That's what you do. He just heads over to the Middle East and, and instead of taking that dude's glasses off, he beats him with the glasses. <laughs> He was like, all right, you're safe now. But if you tell anyone about this, I'm coming back for you. <laughs> Flies away with his jetpack or whatever. Uh, we should write bad comics. <laughs> I, you know, the just fact like, just that like try we... to get an imprint started at like Aftershock or something. That is only bad comics. The fact that we went from Huck to Undertaker playing Huck. <laughs> Vince McMahon involved is interesting. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> the robot, the, yeah, the, the robot brother and sister are actually his brother and sister. Just turned the cyborgs, but he kills them with no remorse. <laughs> nah, man, that would ruin Huck for me. <laughs> Absolutely, it would. Of course, too it far, fucking would. Too far. I know you're. Ha- we're having fun with it, but let's be serious now. <laughs> yeah, let's be serious. We shouldn't Huck. do this fake Huck book brought to you by the WWE. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to have fucking Jerry the King Lawler up there saying, and tonight's Raw is brought to you by fucking Huck, brought to you by WWE. <laughs> oh, man. But Michael Cole just screams collusion and starts being shitty again. <laughs> Fuck Michael Cole. Anyway, Birdie. <laughs> All right. Uh, the other thing, uh, the opposite of, or as uh, Black Sad made me feel good because it was gritty, fun, noir. This just makes you feel good in general. So let's talk about Moonstruck. Hmm. Okay. Either you read this? No. I don't know if I've even heard of it. Yeah, no. I don't okay, know. it's a it's an image book, uh, <laughs> which again doesn't help because you can there are thousands of image books you could have never heard of. Is it an adaptation <laughs> of the movie starring Cher? No. <laughs> Although there's a weird joke. In this related to that, that I'll get to. Okay then. Uh, okay, so this I just posted this just so you guys look. Mm. But um, so it's created by the creator of Lumberjanes. Oh, okay. Give, give you a sense of the tone. Yeah. And uh, it's drawn by a woman, a person named Shay Beagle, who I'm not familiar with, but I kind of like her st- This person's style. It's. <laughs> It's hard to describe because it's sort of like um, Adventure Time, but like deliberately 
soft, round edges to the point where, like, there's almost no one with what we would call a stereotypically normal body type. Mm. Like, the... Like the main the the main character we follow the most has very rounded edges, and she's they don't draw attention to it, but she's actually Hispanic, and you don't know this until she mm. werewolves out and grabs a wizard by the face and says, "Shut your shut shut up your mouth" in Spanish. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at some of the images, and yeah, it's this is very soft. Yeah, and given the tone of the story, that's not necessarily a bad thing because. Um, in a series where um, the two main character, the two main dating, the main dating couple are both werewolves, the biggest issue is um, self insecurity issues, and one of them kind of wanting to not be a werewolf. Oh, okay. Hmm. I'm gonna say and, I'm gonna say something, and it could potentially be offensive. This looks like this looks like a Tumblr comic. I can believe that it it given the content you could. Uh, what do you mean, like a furry thing or something like that? Like no, a, just like a, so, so I'm looking. So looking at this one image, it because the animals or so. So, this, so, so I'm looking at a preview of the first uh, issue on um on the image website. So the coffee shop. You got one guy who has two faces on his head and massive sideburns. You got big dude sitting in the back. Just like well, his, name is, his name is Janice, dead man. Yeah, of course it is. <laughs> Got just like this big old asshole sitting in the back, just like hanging out, drinking his coffee or whatever. And then over on the left, over on the right side of the panel, you got a person with like a skull tattooed in their face, wearing a loose fitting toque, and a lady with blue hair. Yeah. That is Tumblr in a nutshell. Yeah. Okay, well, that is the visual of Tumblr in a nutshell. If or, it was actually um, Tumblr in a nutshell, I, there'd be speech bubbles coming off of there just dribbling out hate speech. If I didn't know how to describe... If I didn't know where... If I knew where it was, I'd be able to know for certain. But it kind of just reminds me of, like, a Pacific Northwest small town hipster town, basically. Yeah, totally. Even the, even the yeah. centaur looks like a hipster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's not bad, yeah. though. And, then, and like, you know, characters you just talking about Dead Man are what they talk... Or they make a joke, it's like... Look, you don't you can't divine your own future. At which point, they all those those two characters you discover will say, "Hey, fuck you!" And it's like, "Sorry, sorry, forgot your divination students." Because that's just normal here. Because that's the that's the thing that it, is that it, the weird is normal here. the The main character's gay best friend, barista friend, is a centaur. Who the worst thing that happens to him is that he um, a wizard steals his magic so that he's just a human. <laughs> Wait, he sucked his magic out and his legs just turned to regular person legs? Yeah, his centaur legs just turned into person legs. <laughs> That's how you make centaurs? Just human plus magic equals horse? <laughs> does he feel self-conscious about that? or is that? Yeah, like- he does, and like, to the point... Well, I mean, this guy's weird enough anyway, because this confused me as a fan of this dead man. Uh, He has a Godzilla poster on his wall that is Godzilla doing the share cover from Moonstruck. (laughs) (laughs) 
That's funny. Okay, so I'm assuming Godzilla. So the equivalent of share in the magic world is Godzilla. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you'd think it'd be Barbara Streisand. Well, it's weird that you said that, Dead Man, because the three the, the three posters <laughs> on his wall were Barbara Streisand, Godzilla as share, and Dolly Parton. <laughs> Oh, is this a it's thing? always I... interesting to see somebody's view of the world. <laughs> so, so, so I don't know if you noticed this, Bertie. I was just because I Google image the book. There, it looks like it says here there's a there's a panel in issue number three where the Baba Duke is in the in, in the background. Oh yeah, yep. That's fucking hilarious. <laughs> and he's wearing like a hold on, I gotta. <laughs> he's wearing like a pink like roughly like thing around his neck. <laughs> I do not understand why the Babadook became a gay icon. Has he? I didn't even know that. Yeah, is that, it, is it, that the, a thing? There has been a lot of talk about him being a gay icon. Yeah, yeah. Just, just like, just I like never randomly heard one day, this fucking literal monster. Oh, that's why. Was okay, just, no, was, I didn't know. Right now. Yeah, he's in the middle of a gay pride parade. Yeah, I okay. I didn't know that was a thing with him. I, I I mean, I like the movie. I didn't know that was a never heard of that. No, before. yeah, it, it's no. a fucking great movie and a, a, like genuinely terrifying yeah. movie. I just oh, yeah. do not understand who could gra- who could like grab grab onto a fucking drawing. Not not even like the actual like weird fucking man himself or the or the like shapeless force that eats worms. Just mm. the drawing from the pop-up book. They just chose that and were like, yeah, okay, he's ours now. Yeah, it's, fu- it's funny you say that because once I clicked on that, it like connected me to some other related images it shows here of just like the uh, the pride colors in the background and just him over the pride. I didn't know that was a thing. Huh. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So here's what, has to say on the, here's what has to say on the internet. So in October 2016, a Tumblr user um, joked that Babadook was openly gay. Uh, that December, another Tumblr user posted a probably doctored uh, screenshot that uh, had that had Netflix listing the Babadook as an LGBT movie. Okay. So it started as a Tumblr thing that just kind of ran. Yeah. Then from there, okay. despite the fact that sex and sexuality in the movie doesn't fucking matter. Right. Um, huh. Fans and journalists began look began uh, doing like pieces and stuff that were looking at the film with the with the con in yeah in the in the idea that the subtext of the movie is it's all about gay people. <laughs> like that's a bit of a sometimes <laughs> it's a joke, sometimes deadly serious because it's fucking Tumblr, right. And I, yeah, I never uh, know yeah. what to make of Tumblr. And yeah, they highlighted the character's dramatic persona, uh, the grotesque costume, because you know gay people dress like horrible monsters, it's and strange. the and the chaotic and the chaotic effect within the traditional family structure. <laughs> then it's in really July, weird. then in June of 2017, Pride Month happened, and the Babadook trended on Twitter. I think that's Very a back. Strange. I think that's a backass justification. Like some gay person really just liked the design, and they had to like, right. oh, okay, this is ours now, basically. Right. No, no, like, like the first thing. The first thing was a joke. 
Right. J- just like, hey, yeah, this this creature that doesn't have a really defined sex and is just going to kind of be whatever you want it to be and it will possess you to murder your children. Yeah, that's gay. <laughs> then someone else was like, yeah, you know what? You're right. Let's go with this. Right. And then everyone took it way too far. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Like nothing against it. Like, hey, gay people, go. No, I mean, it's not no, hurting no. anyone. It's just weird. Yeah, it's just yeah, really fucking is. weird. Exactly. And I do not understand exactly. it. Yeah. No, me either. I mean, it's the first time hearing about it. That doesn't make sense to me. I was like, what? But that's fine. Whatever. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, so Sorry. Uh, the, the story is kind of like a Scooby-Doo type thing because um, oh, okay. they're, they're trying to find out what happened to the magic that was stolen from them. So they're going around town trying to track down this magic act they went to where uh, the centaur buddy's magic was stolen. And he's constantly complaining that I'm a freak, I'm a monster. How do people walk in these things? I have to wear pants. He actually just says, "I miss my kilt." Wait, he actually worked. I didn't see a kilt in the images. Like, also, how would you wear that? Because horses' dicks uh, the- just hang. <laughs> <laughs> he, he wore it on the. Is that is, is is that your bagpipe under there? <laughs> I was like, oh, let's no. drop something. I'll get it. Oh, God, I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, that's my slog. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> also, this is, this means nothing because he's, because centaurs are fictional characters. You can do whatever the fuck you want with them. Centaurs, very rapey. Well, isn't, isn't that the whole thing with the um, labyrinth? Like, <laughs> like, isn't that? <laughs> no, just traditional know. folklore. Centaurs <laughs> rape a lot. Yeah, that's why they yeah, set up the maze. I mean, but by that, by that same token, Dead Man, the two main characters are werewolves, and they barely rip any people's clothes, let alone bite anyone. So. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just I, yeah, I, I know it's it is a thing. It, it basically, basically, any interpretation of like fucking fantasy stuff for younger audiences, they ignore everything that is terrible about the original legend and just go, yeah, we just kind of like the like the idea of it. You know, werewolves are cool, right? You like, you know, you have a persona. Yeah, and to be fair, the werewolves in this are more sort of like the Hulk than <laughs> traditional werewolves, <laughs> because the whole thing. Well, it well the transformations mostly happen at night; they can't happen today. But it's more linked to sort of like feelings of anger or aggression. So that's more a Hulk thing than a werewolf thing. <laughs> yeah. But no, I, there are there's some stories about werewolves where it's like, hey, your heart rate gets going, fucking burr. Yeah. So, but they eventually track down the ghost who was the assistant to the magician and trap him for information. And the two werewolves who have very different mindsets about things kind of get into an argument about the best way to handle this. And the... Uh, what is her name? The Selena, the other werewolf that's not our main character, who I can't remember the main character's name now. What is it? Um, da, da, da. Julie. Julie, sorry. Um, Julie's more sort of like the bookish one who's quiet, introverted, doesn't really take many risks. The other one's more of a sporty extrovert. 
but at the same time, they have shared interests that they talk about. And what they, the biggest moment of conflict where you see them fighting over something is when one of their favorite, the book and one of their favorite series is ripped over during a fight. Yeah, the stakes are kind of low in this. If yeah, it you sounds think about like it. it for, but it's 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 fun, uh, right, mm. honestly, and there's lots of jokes that kind of appeal to me, like when um, the main characters uh, first get into a, a cab uh, piloted by a ghost, and um, the. Uh, the ghost is Scottish, and so he goes, "Where are you? T- where are you going, Lassie?" And the werewolf, the main werewolf character, gets a little defensive and says, "Is that a joke? Is that a joke? Because I'm a werewolf?" It's like, "No, it's something <laughs> I say." But if you want to wait for another cab, you can. It's uh, I, I, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's like there's weird jokes that I don't even get. But I understand what they were going for. Where, like, they they use the cabbie to go to get to where they the hideout of the guys they're finding. And it's like, by the way, watch out for his protein tendencies. I'm like, what does that mean exactly? Wait, protein? Yeah, which I, I looked it up. The that's their way of saying protoplasmic. Hmm. Oh, I. I have a question about this book. Uh, is like it sounds like it's fun in tone, but they're, they're not constantly hitting you uh, uh, over the head with uh, like some sort of like uh, uh, you know. And no, hope nobody takes offense it's to this. Not, it's like not, a, it's not a, a social message. justice. It's not like a social it's justice a warrior. Like, I mean, it, it looks like a, a Tumblr a, comic, but it isn't a Tumblr comic. It's a message thing in that the right. message is all of this is completely normal. Okay. Like be happy but, with who you are, kind of thing, and 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 yeah. Know, like I said, the of... biggest point of conflict is that our main character, who was born a werewolf and has found another werewolf who she happens to have a lot in common with and is dating, mm-hmm. doesn't want to be a werewolf because she wants to be the most normal person, which makes no sense in a town that's fifty percent magical creatures. Your buddy's right. a centaur. Normal is normal isn't a thing. There's a coffee shop made up only of um, literal oracles. There's a dude with two faces whose parents were incredibly unoriginal. <laughs> yeah, I know this sounds light and fun then. I just I just yeah, I just no, sound bad. like some of the themes like at first just by looking at it may have been going no, in mean, that it, directions, but yeah, but I no, mean, you can it doesn't see, sound you like can, it. You can interpret those themes from the artwork and the nature of mm. the story, but if mm. you're just looking at it as it is, it's just like a, some lighthearted fun. Right. With fun okay, characters. that's cool. Although it does get the most weirdly existential bit is that they have a Hardy Boys slash Nancy Drew parody going on in the background because it, the characters are reading a book from the two main characters' favorite series, which is kind of a takeoff on those two things. And it starts mm-hmm. off normal enough. It's like, oh, we agreed to babysit, babysit this dog for this cute boy. And it's like, okay, well, we lost it. Well, we have to go find it. And then at the end of it, it's discovered that the oldest sister is like, I'm sorry, I felt so useless. I wanted to save us all, so I hid the dog somewhere where I could find it, and then everything got out of control, and I don't know how we got here. Well, okay, then. (laughs) And when I read that, I was like, I agree with you. I also don't know how we got here. (laughs) 
<laughs> so yeah, is this, uh, is this a mini series or is this ongoing? Um, it's an ongoing, as far as I can tell. It's it's Probably. slow going. Like there's only six issues out. There's two <laughs> more planned, and the first trade was collected for like five dollars. That's why I got it, but oh, I wow. haven't. It was good on deal. sale at my store for mm. uh, Indie Comic Day. Mm. That's a good deal. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So I got this and one other book that was autographed, but I'll mm. talk about that one some other time. But yeah, uh, Moonstruck, considering I had to deal with a whole bunch of severed heads today, it made me feel good. <laughs> yeah, definitely at the other end of the spectrum with it compared to the earlier the noir book, <laughs> like you mentioned. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. Right that on. was fun racism. This is no racism. <laughs> yeah. And also, I feel like I just uh, say for okay, you mentioned at the top that it was from the Lumberjanes creator. Uh, it, this is uh, Grace Ellis, not Noelle Stevenson. Okay, sorry, I should have made that clear. I should have said her name, but she is involved in Lumberjanes. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, yeah, no. The two of them, uh, Stevenson and Ellis, co-wrote that book. Yeah, sorry, I should have specified that. Yeah, but yeah, um, and that led I me to an article some... from Bustle, where the first sentence in it is. Queer relationships are some of the most dynamic, meaningful, and important relationships in comics. Which, oh, we're selling it a bit, but like I get it. Like I get the point of that statement. It it's mm. it's probably it's not it's, it has the best intentions. It's just it that could have been phrased in a way that's not quite as dismissive. Yeah. Gay relationships <laughs> are more important. Straight relationships, fuck off. We've had enough of your assholes. It, they should definitely be represented more. I think if that if they made that statement, sure. I mean, oh no, I, that, that, I, that, that's what the article was about. It was talking to right. um, it was talking to Grace Ellis, um, Noelle Stevenson, oh, um, okay. and other LGBT creators and comics, just talking about hey, things are getting better, but we still have ways to go. Which sure, yeah, yeah absolutely. Anywho, moving on from that. Onto a slightly <laughs> regression. Hmm. We just met a character who is an old bearded man who is also a woman. Huh? <laughs> so regression. This is kind of I've talked about um, once back in like the early issues. Um, issue seven is out now. Uh, uh, I, potentially I more on? beyond that. I don't know if I was on that episode. I don't yeah. recall this, but anyways, uh, yeah. yeah, so it's uh, Cullen Bunn. Oh, okay. Look, uh, yep, about a guy who st- a guy who like starts having um, dreams and horrible shit, and just seeing like some kind of weird fucking murder person. Yeah, now I recall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and like bugs and stuff. And so he has a friend of his um, take him to a hypnotist to regress him into a past life, which. He did, and it worked, uh, but then bad shit started happening because that past life guy was, as we learned in this comic, a member of a horrible demon murder cult. Huh. And was like, <laughs> magic and shit. <laughs> and yeah, basically, it's just, basically, it's just been our main character, Adrian, um, Last few issues have kind of been like on the run looking for stuff. Um, ended up getting, ended up actually being grabbed up by the, I guess, the current incarnation of the cult. Meanwhile, 
his friend, the one who kind of started all this, and a cop uh, go to another friend of hers who is some kind of like expert on occult shit and bring him a symbol, one that was carved into a dead body that they believe uh, the hypnotist guy. Uh, and that's where he explains, like, yes, yeah, so this thing, what, yes, yeah, so this symbol right here, uh, that is like the the demon cult, like the first one, where it, w- it instead of being a cult that worships demons, it was a cult of demons. Yeah, they were all demons who would just like infect bugs and stuff, go to random people and say, "Hey, bro, like, give me your body for like three days. I'll give you anything you want." And then horrible shit happens. Uh, this issue might not, might not have been the might not, might not have been one of the best ones to talk about because it's largely just explanation. Okay. Which and which, given that I don't a hundred percent remember everything that happens from issue to issue, mm. can't do a great job explaining it. But uh, one thing that they do kind of one thing that I do remember from the stuff is that um, whenever Adrian or main guy uh, goes into like his dream state or whatever and starts talking to Sutter, his past life. There's a woman there. This woman. Sutter Kane? Uh, no, I think it's uh, something Sutter. Oh, they missed a beat there. Sorry, I was making a In the Mouth of Madness joke. Ah. Yeah, and so, uh, yeah, and so they're all. Yeah, so like every time, they, every time the two of them meet up in his head space, there's a woman there who like just keeps like attacking them with waves after waves of insects and shit. Uh, and her name is Temperance. And she kind of got Sutter involved in the cult shit, I think. And this all be explained to us by a very large, old, bearded man who looks like a fucking biker. Like he even has like his he even has like his giant biker beard separated into individual braids covered in leather. Because you know he looks fucking metal. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, turns out that's Temperance, who up till now we've only seen as just a woman and like a very specific woman. And now, you know, past life stuff, this big burly asshole. Interesting seeing where it goes. Um, as it is right now, I'm kind of losing steam on this series. Like I started out strong with some really good horror visuals and like a solid premise. Like past lives are a good past lives. I think are a solid like horror concept that isn't utilized all that often or all that well. Like a lot of it is a lot of it. A lot of like past life stuff is, Oh, you had a past life. And that past life was a murderer. And then that person begins that past life begins taking over your life or something. It's very rarely that it's like, that it is like, Oh, you have a past life and that past life is starting to come back. It hasn't come back as a control thing yet. It's just, you are, you're like just, Using it for using it for trippy visuals and like good horror imagery, mm. as opposed to oh my god, I might murder somebody and I would never know it. Right, I like what, what you just described about it, kind of losing a little bit of steam. I, I somewhat find about some of the things Cullen Bunn does in general. To be honest, like I like Cullen Bunn's work, but I find that it's always a uh, a quantity versus quality thing for him because he writes a lot of fucking books like and i'm probably even more than lemire like yeah like he he, he, and he works with like every fucking single publisher i find and his stuff some of it comes across as mediocre kind of or i would say um 
at least for me, anyways. That's how I feel. No, yeah, about I get it. it. Like uh, I, I yeah. read Dark Arc. I know. Right. Yeah. That was that the aftershock book that he did. Uh, yes. Right. That so, was one of so the few I, genuinely bad aftershock books I've read. Right. Well, that's what I mean. It seems like he has so many ideas and works on so many things that, like, you know, they're not all going to be hits. Like, you know, yeah. What I mean? But or, like the but, ones that but, are good are really good. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Like Carroll County, Six Gun, I really enjoyed. Yeah. Um, there's other things. Is Deadpool work? Them. Yeah. Yeah. There's, yeah. It's the Mercs for Money in particular for me. I really enjoyed that stuff he did. Anyways, but, but yeah, I just, I find that that's, I don't know, but it sounded like the first arc of this was pretty solid though, anyways. No, we're like, still in the first arc. Seven issues we're in, we're still in the first arc? Because I'm, huh. I'm pretty sure this isn't an ongoing, this is a limited run series, I'm pretty sure. Oh, okay. I wasn't sure. Okay. So it doesn't really have arcs. Right, right, right. So we're just telling one story right now. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, like there's no like there's no like issue seven of twelve or whatever, but this right. does seem like it is a mm. it reads to me as a limited run series. Right. Oh yeah. Well I'm I'm sure. Like just because as I said, by the time this wraps up, he's gonna be writing three other series. Yeah, <laughs> like three other things are going to be announced. Yeah, so. three other series for seven other publishers. Beautiful <laughs> um, mirror in competition. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. <laughs> Which unfortunately okay. is a competition he is losing because yeah, he's gotten more out there. But Lemire's just like, yeah, I got mine. They're like, yeah, they're solid, but whatever. Well, he's always going to be one step ahead of him because Cullen Bunn doesn't draw. <laughs> so like that's the that's the thing. Lemire yeah, that's the thing. It'll be for... no matter no matter what happens. Like even if Cullen Bund is like, yeah, I got fucking eight billion books out right now. And guess what? <laughs> They're all fucking bangers. What do you got, Lemire? I got like seven of them out that I'm reading and that I'm writing and drawing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm also drawing a few monthlies. Yes, you really can't say much at that point. <laughs> yeah, check it out. It's a sequel to Sweet Tooth. <laughs> oh, I hope not. We got it. We got our ninth volume. We got our ninth fucking story of the Black Hammer saga. Yeah, that we do. Yeah. Now Colonel Weird is stuck in hell. It's still really fucking good, though. All that Black Hammer stuff. I really. Yeah, it's really solid. It's just. I didn't expect it to go to literal hell. It, It that's almost like him doing his vertigo, though. What he did. like, you know what I mean? Like, did you see like when they're in that bar and like all those weird characters show up? I'm like, oh, this is Lemire doing now because you know this is him basically writing all the characters for the big two that he hasn't been, had a chance to write, but doing his own spin on it almost. It yeah, feels like right. So that seemed very much like, oh, here's all my supernatural characters, you know, like <laughs> like from DC or whatever. Yeah. So, anyways, yeah, I just feel so bad for Gail. Yeah. Just, oh, yeah, Golden Gale. Yeah. Yeah, just her. She's got the most shit fucking going wrong with her in this goddamn town. Did you finish the uh, Lost Tomorrow's one, the Doctor Star? Uh, not yet. I just started a, I just started at uh, Age of Doom. So fucking sad. <laughs> oh, man. I got so sad by the end of that miniseries. I won't spoil it, but it was really, I honestly, I think I shed a tear reading it. <laughs> like, I'm mm. not afraid to say that. It was sad. It was very sad. Anyways. <laughs> anyway, that's all I got for that one. Okay. So Nico. Uh, yes. So uh, moving along now with the more DC on my end, uh, Justice League number one, which is the long-awaited uh, new Justice League series, as 
just like Man of Steel, this had a lead-in weekly series <laughs> prior to this, which was uh, No Justice, which was a complete fucking waste of time. <laughs> Don't right. bother. Uh, that fucking, that yeah. fucking So, book. yeah. If you have not read it, though, and you're listening to this, don't bother. You can honestly pick up this issue without reading that. The main thing you got to know is basically after the fallout of Metal, they broke, like, the source wall or something like that, which basically let in all these, you know, these demons or whatever the fuck they were to begin with. But wasn't that, what, wasn't that where Relic came from? And that not that where the fucking reservoirs of light are? See, I'm and what happened to the three jokers? <laughs> yeah, well, that's... I'm sure more on that later, but yeah. Will, we, I'm will not? Batman yeah. be replaced by the Batman who laughs? <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, that's the thing. Uh, <laughs> a lot of the things that happened during that event, and just the idea... It was too grand in scale, even So much happened, and none of it matters. <laughs> right, right. Well, that's... But this is what I'm trying to say. Uh, like, so don't even fucking bother No Justice, because... That was basically dealing with the fallout of the source wall breaking, and for whatever reason, them get Brainiac, um, because there's basically like these et- these Eternals, like eternal like characters that were yeah, going to the four horsemen. take out. Yeah, like like think of like Marvel's Eternals or whatever, like or New Gods or something. Not New Gods; they're bigger than that. Cosmics. Like, more like yes. So basically, they're about to because the source wall broke. They're going to take out the Earth for whatever reason, and, and Brainiac puts all these fucking teams together made up of bad guys and good guys, because that's the new thing now to do. The biggest team-ups that you never know you didn't <laughs> right. want it. Yeah, mathematically, he says, he, hopefully this will you work. exist <laughs> for no reason. <laughs> but um, together, you will piss off everyone. Yeah, and that was the, the team entropy, or whatever the fucking, yeah, all those was, stupid yeah, team entropy, names that wisdom, Right. And and all those names are the names of the big fucking bads that got to go fight. Right. So we, we had teased about this when it was first announced actually on the show, how stupid it sounded because of all the fucking teams and all this and that. It, it's, it was messy. Anyways, and it had three writers, all writers which I like, Snyder, Williamson, and Tinian. But you can totally skip all of that because all you need to know going into this Justice League is that happened, Sourcewall, and now the teams are formed and they're basically just running with it. Williamson, I, th- I think, is going to do some other team with the... No, wait. Tinian's doing the Justice League Dark book and he's doing another one, I think, uh, Williamson with... Um, I forgot who's on his team, but anyways. Oh, Odyssey. God, these teams are so fucking retarded. It's the Justice League Odyssey. Um, but... We're talking about Justice League, though, number one. This is Snyder and fucking Jim motherfucking Chung, who I think this is his first DC work because he's mostly an artist known um, over at Marvel. And it, it fuck, the art, the art is fantastic on this. Um, he, Jim Chung is really, really fucking good. If you've never seen Jim Chung's artwork, you might know him from, uh, he did a Young Avengers run. Um before uh, Kieran Gillen did Young Avengers, which was really good. And then there's also, um, what else did he do? That's the thing. He's an artist. He's most recently worked on Marvel 2 and 1. I know he did some issues with that. He's an artist that doesn't work too much in comics. Like he doesn't. He's one of those guys that you'll get for maybe five issues and then he'll be gone. But he oh, is Frank Cho. Yeah, essentially. One of those artists. I mean, there's a few big names like that, but because they launched with Snyder on writing duties and him as the artist on this first issue, they made it kind of seem like a big deal. Oh, yeah. Fuck. This is a children's crusade guy. Yeah, exactly. Children's crusade. Young young Avengers. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So he's Darth Vader. (laughs) Which is surprisingly good. Yeah, that fucking banger. 
Um, but yeah, his pencils are a lot of cross hatching going on. But the but the his he he has a Jim Chung his style. He has a certain way he draws everyone's faces. I find like it's it's one of those things a lot of artists have that that's usually the you can tell usually by looking at the faces like stylistically like uh-huh. who's drawing them. But um, but he 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 just makes everyone look really good and um, very clean. But also kind of a lot of, a lot of scratchy cross hatching going on too. But it, it just looks really, really fucking good. Um, so I really enjoyed the art on this for one, and seeing him draw all the DC characters was really cool because he's one of those guys that's just worked primarily for Marvel, as far as I know. And uh, so the fact that he he did this book was uh, was really cool. Um, anyways, uh, and the 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 team in this uh this uh justly team is uh, Batman, Flash, Wonder Woman, Aquaman. Uh, Hawk, Hawk Girl, Superman, uh, Cyborg, and uh, most importantly, Martian Manhunter, who is basically the heart and soul, as he should be, of the Justice League, and basically is the one who who is running this team. He he, and in in this issue, he he's psychically connecting everybody. He's kind of floating around in space like he normally does, but between he's he's kind of like the, the basically serving as like the JLA watchtower in this <laughs> in this issue. Like he's 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 just, you know, he's helping he's advising the team as they're kind of going about their business. Um he's 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 up in space doing things to help out the team. At one point during the issue, he psychically patches everybody in for a uh round table type like JLA watchtower type a meeting that they have in space even though they're not actually in space but it looks like they're sitting at a table in space so yeah. like it, it just really felt great to get martian manhunter back in a, in a J- uh, justice league book and really kind of see him in action I, I love the character and i don't think there's enough of him but um because there isn't like it was yeah it was Stormwatch, then a solo series then nothing um i've heard even though i've never um i've seen the cartoon uh is it United? What's it called? Uh, Unlimited. Oh, he's Unlimited. In, he's Unlimited. in the entire Unlimited. Justice League series that Bruce Timm made. Yeah, he right. is. He is. He's one of the main seven. Right. Yeah, he, he was. I've, he was. The, he was the one who brought the league together in mm. this version, and they were doing that based on, like, if you want a good comics version of Martian Manhunter, Nico, read Grant Morrison's JLA. Oh yeah. No, I have. I've, I've read Grant. Yeah. Because that's where they did the White Martians first, mm-hmm. and and I would argue the best. And also where they had the Justice League, the Justice League, uh, uh, what's the th- the thing where Batman? There's a term for uh, Tower of Babel. Tower of Babel, yeah, where yeah. Batman yeah. Uh, tur- it doesn't turn on everyone, but his ideas are yeah, his ideas can turn on everyone. And right, I, yeah, I I read I read like the first couple. I read like the White Martian part of that series and the beginning of that storyline. Because I kind of after that I introduced like the red and blue Superman, which I didn't know anything about. But oh, you gotta finish it; it's really good. Uh, yeah, the, the main thing I remember about that is just too. it's just Batman smiling because he makes because he just gets all the white marshes to piss their pants off with fire. <laughs> there, it's like there one of the few a, moments where I'm like, yes, Batman should smile here. There was another great moment during that JLA story where um, it was. The guy who was Green Arrow at that time was the young um, what's his name? Um, uh, Connor. Connor. Yes, Connor. Connor. Hawk. Connor, uh, Connor Hawk. Is that it? Okay. And he was a. Uh, everybody was disposed, like involved in something where he was the only one on the JLA Watchtower, and he basically had to solve the problem by himself. Like it was one of those moments where the new guy that's part of the team really had to step up 
and and Kyle Rayner was in that book. Yeah, that was a really good run. That that um that JLA. Okay, yeah, uh, it was Connor Hawk. I was right. Okay, good. Yeah. Good. Um. Anyways, um, there's a great part in this book though that really makes you seem like these people all get along and are like kind of have that family thing going because they're all fighting individually in different parts of the world trying to do their uh, uh, trying to take care of this big threat. I guess they're still trying to deal with some of the fallout of what happened in No Justice. And and uh, and they all start doing their own Batman impressions. Like, <laughs> so Flash is like, John, I live in a cave. I know my damn rocks. Is like how I do. <laughs> like, and then like Wonder Woman <laughs> does does her version of of Batman. Uh, and then, and they're basically just doing all their best Batman impersonations. And then like, does Superman uh, say do his lead? Well, Superman. So they're so they're all together. And Hawkgirl says, uh, I think it's Hawkgirl. Uh, oh no, Hawkgirl's like. Also, I don't have a Batman voice yet because she hasn't been part of the team for long enough. And and, and I don't know you guys says, well enough to rip on you yet. Just like give me, just give me a couple months. I'll I'll get there. I think it's Flash. Uh, that's or Wonder Woman maybe that says. Um, uh, oh yeah, we all know Clark has the best uh, Batman impression. And I and it's, and it's uh, and Cyborg's like. Uh, He's like, come on, Cyborg. He's like, uh, you're not gonna do your Batman voice. He's like, with Superman here, hell no, because <laughs> they're, they're 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 together fighting. <laughs> but 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 you don't actually hear Superman do it. He kind of just like r- kind of brushes it off. But everybody else is like, oh yeah, Clark's got the best one though. And Batman just kind of like grumbling to himself. <laughs> like it's so, well, to be fair, he would. A, yeah, it was a, it was a very funny fun part, and I thought it was funny. Yeah, best um, bros of the best, and best bros of the best fucking rips on each other. Um. And then it was, and then and then they introduced the Legion of Evil basically again in this. Like, um, what's that guy's name? Uh, uh, Vandal Savage. So Vandal Savage um, is involved, and then Lex shows up again, and it looks like Lex now is basically the person that brings the Legion back in. So that might be it for Lex as a uh, uh, a good guy. At Thank this point. fucking but, God. Yeah. So and, it wasn't and it, working. No. Nope. And and, and, it, neither, and it feels, neither was his weird '90s cyberpunk super hacker thing. Hmm. So then, as always, kind of things are kind of back to normal in that sense because Lex is basically the one that was in the shadows putting together this whole Legion of Evil. They kind of overthrow Legion of Doom. Sorry, and then they overthrow. You you, you, you kept saying Legion of Evil, and I'm like, that's wrong. That hurts. That's what I meant. Sorry, Legion of Doom, and they basically so the Legion of Doom shows up, and it's Gorilla Grodd and uh, uh, Sinestro and and Joker and Black Manta and uh, um, Cheetah. what is that her fucking name? What's her name? Yeah, Cheetah. Cheetah. Wonder Woman. Uh, yeah, the, the real actor, the Doctor Barbara uh, Minerva. Right. Barbara Minerva. Yeah. So, so yeah. If one issue in, this felt finally like a Justice League book again. Like this, this is a good start. Like the 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 stakes seem large. The art was solid. The team is good. Um, again. Whatever, I, I'm okay with the cyborg thing, I guess, at this point, because, like, he's been around, like, they try to establish him again in this issue, they mention about him being, like, one of those, like, legacy fucking he, Justice He seems leaders. even more pointless since jo- Green Lantern, jo- uh, John Stewart's also in this team, though. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Just... Well, he, but, well, that's the thing, he doesn't show up at they're first. basically going for the right. Bruce Tim era Justice League, almost, other than the fact that Which it's is Wally fine. West as yeah. Flash and Aquaman, but yeah, yeah. the Bruce Tim Justice League as brought to you, yeah, the Bruce Tim Justice League featuring Cyborg. Yeah, yeah, I know that again. Whatever, I'm gonna try to get over it. Martian Manhunter turns into an awesome fucking dragon, and it's like he just he morphs He's into done like that this, before. Yeah, he morphs into a huge dragon in space. Just really, really solid first issue. Yeah, I also really enjoyed this. I think 
this is a great first issue and a great start and hopefully what turns out to be a promising run like like, like i said it's it seems big on big in scale i really enjoy the team and the art's solid i, I, and... I will admit this gives me more hope for a team series than the current avengers does oh yeah absolutely um yeah so check it out if you haven't yet. I, I think if you guys haven't read it yet either, I think you'd enjoy this. Probably enjoy this. Yeah, like I okay, said, I'll pick this up. But I'll pick. I'll, I'll say this is a weird statement to say. I will pick this up along the apparently existing Gail Simone Plastic Man series. Yeah, that's. A thing. I have it on my docket. <laughs> like I said, I'm behind. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah. Um. Justice League number one, and I'll be checking out the other Justice League books too as they come out. I have high hopes for the Justice League Dark because I always enjoyed that concept, but I don't think that it ever succeeded. Well, for, it, 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 it was a good idea, but it was executed at the beginning of the New Fifty Two, right? So yeah. that was that was never going to work. <laughs> Hopefully, they'll just look at um, the Justice League Dark movie they made a year or two ago and say, "Oh, okay, let's do that." Whatever happened to that Christopher Priest Justice League book? It's done now, because I think this is here now. <laughs> Did it start? Yeah, well, he's, I think, who took over after Brian Hitch, if I'm not mistaken, right? You know, oh, like, God, what? even when he follows up over a bad guy, he's dead men. Remember the story of Christopher Priest and no, JLA? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just Christopher Priest. He always... Oh, he got fucked. Yeah, yeah they gave yeah, him a shit no matter what. Yeah, 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 but that's it's, right. Yeah. Which is like, I remember, I remember, like, that cover came out of just Batman getting fucking stabbed or whatever and then like oh yeah fuck this is happening I was like okay I'll fucking check that out and then I never remembered it showing up I, yeah I barely remember people talking about it did it happen for a whole bunch of issues or yeah I don't know like last thing I knew about Justice League was it was fucking Brian Hitch <clears throat> and no, then this no, Christopher Priest I think did a few issues prior to this though he did I believe he did finally I think oh I, Priest I, I, Priesty, but it wasn't any. Booby. But it was so one. This of, isn't as epic of a screw you priest as JLA, where he had to follow up Grant Morrison, Mark Wade, uh, Joe Kelly, and yeah, Joe <laughs> Kelly's run was good too. Yeah, no, but still, just just like think about that though. With, with just with JLA, you at least remember he did it. <laughs> well yeah this one was like hey we have Scott Snyder coming in the book but we need somebody for I, five I issues he, I think this one had the opposite <laughs> I think this one had the opposite problem for Priest whereas JLA he had under four great writers had built up a constant stream of momentum that everyone kept wanting to read it I mean it had one of the greatest Justice League stories ever written with stuff like Tower of Babel and it had what I consider one of Joe Kelly's greatest moments ever in comics when he has Superman tell Batman, stop being less emo. Stop <laughs> being so emo. God damn it, Batman, get out of your corner. Get out the gargoyle. We need you to help. Plastic Man was a huge part of Joe Kelly's run, too. Yeah. Actually. No, yeah. I mean, Ah, uh, Plastic Man. He also worked in this Justice League, as did Kyle Rayner for when, you know... <laughs> Yeah, they were really pushing Kyle Rayner because back, back, they, had back when they over the Green Lantern. Yeah, back when they accidentally made Kyle Rayner Lantern Jesus. <laughs> anyway, anything else about this, Nico? No, no, just it was fun. Um, yeah. The only fun, thing I will actually, I, f- I forgot to say what I meant was, uh, whereas in JLA, Christopher Priest was the follow up to four 
extraordinary runs on a great series that was rebooting it in a time when the series was kind of fucked. The industry was kind of fucked. In this, you had Brian Hitch fucking it up for over a year to the point where, yeah. as far as I can tell, no one cared about the Justice yeah. League book. Well, and so that's what I mean. Peak was like, all right, I get to do this again. Right. Like, where where did everybody go? Yeah, like, yeah. All right, guys, don't worry. I'm going to bring the book back. It's going to be great. Hey, what's that issue one? Yeah, well, that's a, that's what I mean. I think it's one of those things where they knew that Snyder was coming on in a few months after Metal, and they basically just put him in there for a few issues just to yeah. hold off. But, you know, I, I was sorely needed. Not in I, the I sense just, that Christopher yeah, Priest is bad. Yeah, I'm not disagreeing bad, with that. I'm just, I'm just wondering yeah. what, what things Scott Snyder will screw up this time. So is it Starro going to be <clears> like a mutant <laughs> starfish grown by Gorilla Grodd or something? Or He apparently died during No Justice, they're trying to say, during No Justice. Who did? We'll Starro? Yeah, he he died. He was on one of the teams, and he basically got ripped apart at one point. I don't fucking care. Yeah, because that's, um, yeah, that's what happens with Starro. You kill one of them, they all die, right? <laughs> no, he'll come back. But yeah, of course he fucking um, will. He'll come I, back. I will, I, he'll fucking suck some dude's dick hole out or whatever, and then just... <laughs> Uh, I I will say one more, f- or they'll fuse him with crypto with uh, crypto the super dog again and give don't, him dead man don't, nightmares. Don't oh the the nail yes. <laughs> um, um, I will say one more thing though. Uh, uh, like I said, it does feel big in scale, but because uh, the way Snyder always kind of s- starts off stories, like and be- because of the fact that they are dealing with the fallout and no justice, this is going to seem very convoluted, some of the ideas they're throwing around in here, but the fact that it does, and, and whether or not he's going to stick the landing, we'll see. But I think it's important for them to deal with big deal things in a Justice League book, so I'm still on board with it at this point, but there was definitely some things where I was, like, kind of scratching my head with this issue. I, if I had to give one, if say one bad thing about it, it was definitely that, because Scott Snyder, he's the type of guy that has, like, a million fucking ideas when he starts a story, but whether or not he's actually gonna stick the landing on any of them, we'll see, right? But yeah. And he hasn't sometimes, so. Um, but, like always, I think he started off strong, so. Alright then. Birdie. Final book. All right. Uh, this is the one I actually let you pick, but actually it's also one I really like, just from a different genre. Six Guns. Yep. So this is, uh, Nico, I think if you've read the most recent, um, I think it's the most recent Green Arrow book. This is by Andy Diggle. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. He did uh, Green Arrow year one, I believe. Uh, yeah. If you Maybe, read that. Yeah, I don't remember exactly, but I just that's what I remember most. Yeah. Uh, okay. uh yeah, he did that. He worked on action comics for a while. Um He did the losers. Yeah, Thunderbolts, yeah, Punisher, worked, Silent yeah. Night. Mm. Okay. Dark Rain tie in. Yeah, but um So I mean <laughs> I guess I could talk about where this is in terms of continuity of the Marvel Universe, but no one gives a shit. <laughs> Because it's just a Western. It's a Western featuring characters from Marvel Universe no one's ever heard of. (laughs) I didn't even know this was a Marvel book. Yeah, Yeah, I thought this was an Oni Press book. That's Sixth Gun. That's Sixth Gun with a a TH. Yeah, that's that's (laughs) a Colin Bunn book. Yeah, and it's drawn... uh, Who does the interiors for this? Uh, David... I'm gonna fuck this up because it's time. Gian Felice, I think, who has worked. He did uh, the Flash Rebirth book, 
Uh, oh, yeah. I, I, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And a couple issues of Batman Rebirth, apparently. But, uh, so, the premise is just a, it's a modern-day Western, basically. Because, uh, this Mexican hero for hire named the Tarantula, not not associated with the heroes for hire you've ever heard of. She just happens to be a super a hero gunfighter for hire, because um, that's not confusing. Yeah, totally. <laughs> uh, gets arrested by two Texas Rangers for a murder, and is being extradited when she uh, the the caravan she's being extradited in is hit is uh, attacked by a biker gang led by the Black Rider. Uh, she, uh, the black the the motorcycle gang is hoping not to hurt anyone, but one of the two Texas Rangers pulls a gun and shoots someone, and so they retaliate. And the partner of the guy who becomes one of the main characters of the series dies. So the Black Rider and his gang get away with the tarantula and hand her over to some not at all shifty looking gentlemen. Totally. And. Uh, they, the shifty-looking gentlemen hand over a suitcase full of money, which they open, and within 30 seconds, they're like, hey, this is counterfeit. Then they pull it up and say, oh, shit, it's a bomb. <laughs> to the point where also the entire biker gang is now dead except for the Black Rider. So he, he's on that revenga kick. <laughs> as for the... Uh, What's his name? As for yeah, as for the uh, what's this guy's? I think his uh, Tex uh, of course Tex Dawson. Tex Dawson. I forgot. I looked up their names. Name. <laughs> yeah, so Tex Dawson gets the the word from his uh, his Texas Rangers boss. Like, look, this is not your thing anymore. Your partner just died. Take some leave. He's like, no, I have to pursue this. I'm going to say this Fitzwickler clearly for you. Take some leave. Are you getting what I'm saying? Is it? No, no I don't I know like, what you're talking about, oh. Chief. I need to go out there and hunt down the people that kill my people. <laughs> so they go. So he. <laughs> so Black Rider goes down to this uh, made-up country of San Vasquez. Uh, Tex goes down to this country of San Vasquez. There is a bounty hunter down in San Vasquez who discovers that Tarantula is down there and in the wind, according to the U.S. law enforcement. So he's trying to get the bounty on her. Ah, shouldn't uh, be a show on that bounty. Yeah, well, I mean, when we first see the said bounty hunter, he's um, he's taking in a supervillain who can shoot laser beams out of his eyes, kind of like Cyclops. And he tries this once, and then... His part, his response is to just keep spraying him in the face with pepper spray. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, you think your fucking later eyes are good? Get fucked! I got, I got anti-eye, bitch, or whatever. My name is Tex. Tex. That's, no. that's 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 the other guy. That's not the bounty hunter. <laughs> That would make too much sense. Oh god! <laughs> yeah. So, uh, of course, the villains are a bunch of like you know Blackwater people. I think it's actually Roxxon. That's the only thing I've actually heard of it, from the Marvel universe in this book is that Roxxon's involved. <laughs> what was what was that? Um, 
What the fuck was that Secret Wars Western book that Jerry Duggan did? That little mini series. Oh, uh, that was Marvel, good. Marvel 1868 or something. Yeah, that was good. Whatever that was called. I hadn't called. read that, but I kind of want to. It was. It was. Since it features like a steampunk Iron Man. Yeah, I mean, if you're into this Western take on the Marvel Universe, 1872. Well, I mean, yeah. this isn't really yeah, a Western it was really take good. on the Marvel Universe. No, it's a Western just, in the Marvel Universe. Yeah, yeah it just yeah, happens yeah. to involve the Marvel Universe. Because like, right. none of these characters matter to the Marvel Universe. I was like, but right. I thought Tarantula, I was like, wait, that character from like the Spider-Girl book? I was like, who the heck is this? Talatula. <laughs> yeah, is any of the guy with the spikes on his feet? Tarantula, these the uh, uh maybe I don't I, I, that's not the design I just remember the heard? kind of Bane esque luchador mask. Do you guys ever mm. like kind of call him back uh, to stuff we were talking about earlier? The Marvel like I think the Marvel Max book, um, the Rawhide Kid. I've yeah, seen kinda. it. Yeah, I've seen it. I haven't read it. Oh, yeah. no good. I'm gonna look up some excerpts from it. Oops. All right. Well, I mean, I'll I'll keep talking about this while you're doing that. So, uh, Blackwater wants to kill Vasquez for supposedly having access to information they don't want known. Uh, so they're trying to torture her for information, while at the same time, the bounty hunter, the Black Rider, and a Hispanic kid who got really good at shooting a gun by playing for uh, uh, gun video games. Right. Yeah, you know the thing that doesn't happen? Yeah. <laughs> um, are all headed... Because uh, the, uh, the the teenager has something against the company that's holding Vasquez because they lit his brother on fire. Okay, then. It's <laughs> a bad way to go. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, everything about this is a little over-the-top ridiculous. Like, when the uh, Hispanic youth first confronts the head of this company, and she's like, you killed my brother. I am here for Ravenga. And we say, now calm down, <laughs> calm down. Your brother's fine. He's right over here. I'll take you to him. And for just, he hesitates for just a moment and goes, really? And then he gets shot and says, no, you idiot, I was lying to <laughs> you. <laughs> Or like when Vasquez first escapes, she tries to commandeer a uh, a military transport plane to get out of there. And the bounty hunter sees her escaping and decides the best approach to stop her is to ram his truck into the side of a launching plane. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, so imagine that was the cover for issue two. Ah, oh, nice. A big, nice gun cock. <laughs> and then there's this. Is this a Garth Ennis book? Um, <laughs> no. But yeah, so just for everyone else at home. Um, yeah, when they, they did a Rawhide Kid um, Max oh, series, they, Marvel Max they shouldn't series. Have been a, this shouldn't have been a thing. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> just said, like, yeah, written by a guy wrong. named uh, Dave. Yeah, written by a guy named... Um, I, Hmm, what the fuck is this fucker's name? Severin? Zimmerman? Me? Yeah, I think that's it. Uh, but yeah. Oh, John, oh, John Severin's the one that drew it. Oh, okay, no, he's... But yeah, yeah it's about it's about just the Rawhide Kid, but they made him, like, 90s TV gay. <laughs> I don't even know... Like, I don't even know Ron this fucking Zimmerman? writer. 
I, he must have not been a writer for long after this. <laughs> it was like, I don't know what the hell. John I've never even heard of him. Severin. This, uh, da, da. No, he, I think he's written literally nothing else. <laughs> well, <that's, laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> Actually, no, I'm sorry. He, he wrote an independent comic called The Smelly, The Nasty, and The Fabulous. Jesus. Is he gay? Like, is that... I don't know. <laughs> oh, and no, but like... Oh, and apparently the um, incredibly gay kind of offensive thing got a sequel. Oh, it did? With Howard Chaykin on art? What the fuck? <laughs> well, that makes sense, actually. <laughs> What's the... yeah. That's strange. I I mean I I've heard I mean, I've heard of Rawhide Kid but that's I didn't know there was yeah. Max here yeah so Ron so, uh, Zimmerman uh, he did another book called um, Ultimate Adventures no clue which from the looks of it is the Ultimate Universe version of Batman and Robin uh, okay uh, he did one issue of a Captain Marvel book but like guy Captain Marvel. How do you know about this book? <laughs> I there there was a there was an art there was an article I read on Cracked not too long ago called uh, okay. the five most offensive comics. I think <laughs> it's just this cover of like his uh, no actually, it, no, actually it was the uh, it was that fucking panel yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> I'll see if I can find it again. But yeah, so. I mean, after this point, it's just kind of a shootout because the last three issues right. they're discovering why Roxon is trying to cover this up because mm. they had uh, they had, of course, Roxon being Rox. There's it, so the nature of this of the there's a civil war in this country that they're in between two, where two the north and south of this country are run by two private military contractors essentially, mm. uh, and they're fighting over the mining rights to this ta- this country and they're like why would they what would be worth so much that these two private powerful private military companies would be fighting for it uh turns out there's a um a vibranium mine here okay yeah so and also the two private military companies are both owned by Roxxon and they're just trying to keep the civil war going so no one gets close to look mm. at it well that makes sense actually all that yeah that, that, and then that, the other yeah. twist Hmm. Uh, there is no vibranium, and oh. that Roxxon knew that, and they were just to keep this country afloat. They were essentially just fleecing the IMF for th- for hundreds of thousands of millions of dollars in free loans of money that were supposed to be invested in the government that they were just laundering. Ah, uh, corruptness. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, yeah, right. I'm reading this, and this is this art, this article, and this is like way worse. So, so yes, yeah, it starts off with the rawhide kid uh, making it just like super gay and terrible. Uh, there was an Irish superhero called Shamrock, uh, whose power was she was incredibly lucky, and she got those powers from poltergeists and spirits that wandered around Ireland. Okay. <laughs> uh, there was um, Tyrock, Tyrock, I guess, um, a black racial separatist uh, whose entire reason for being was to explain why there weren't black people in the Legion of Superheroes. I was hoping you said Turok, but... Nope. <laughs> uh, there was one comic where Lois Lane turned into a black person. 
Oh, yes. I know about that one. For the purposes of getting a story. Yeah, on the cover, it says... Is that worse than when plastic surgery turned the Punisher into a black man? Yeah, I remember that, too. Yeah, it actually is worse. It actually is worse because Because Lois did this by choice. Lois intentionally made herself black in order to in order to insert herself into the black community for a story. And, and there was a, cl- a classic cover with her saying she wished she was a black woman or something, I think, like, on the cover or something, wasn't it? Like, there was a... Oh. Yeah. I, yeah. It was a weird issue. I've heard, anyway, of, I've heard of that uh, one. I really yeah. like this book. It sounds uh, good, actually. Yeah, it does. It's dumb, ridiculous. It's, it's not like a gritty Western. There's, like, elements right. of grit in that it is a Western, but it's too ridiculous to be taken all that seriously. The mm. the the seriousness kind of goes out the window when you ram a plane with a truck. Yeah, you can't really do... You can't really do live free or die hard shit and try to be taken seriously. Uh, I mean, they did it in Fast and the Furious, so... <laughs> you just... You just proved the dead man's point. Exactly. That's why I said it. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I think I seen Tyrese do it once. <laughs> no, nah, Tyrese is too shitty a driver to do it. What would be really weird is that I don't... Given that this was a one-year thing and that no one knows this was a thing... And even though Westerns are super popular and the Marvel brand is super popular, this could be made relatively easily and people would go see it because it was Marvel. And then they would immediately try to find the comics and everyone was like, the fuck are y'all talking about? (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Oh, comics are weird. It even even ends on a cool shot where uh, the Hispanic youth had said that um, when he first confronted the blacks. (laughs) The Hispanic youth. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. I say, I say <laughs> the Ute. Yeah, Ute. Um, he had specifically said that uh, I will make you say my brother's name before you die. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, like one of those revenge tale yeah. type things. Yeah. Yeah. And no, the it last sounds page, sounds tropey. No, like for the a last Western. page of the book. Um, said skeevy businessman is trying to es- evacuate his hotel because they know people are, that he's been fleecing the IMF for billions mm. and that they're on to him. And he finds a piece of paper on his, uh, on his, uh, wind- on his mirror that's said, and he said, and he reads it out loud, Jorge Rivera. And then he's at which point the kid comes in and says, I told you, you'd say his name before you died. <laughs> right. Nice. Yeah, no, that's that. No, it sounds sounds decent actually. And this is a mini series, you said, right? Yeah, uh, it's uh, six issues. Okay. Yeah, huh. six issues, six guns. Uh, <laughs> See, I only there's... paid a dollar for it, but nice. Um, I, you probably can't get that deal anymore because it right. was like a brief time thing. But uh, no, this was really good. Uh, I got nothing but compared to previous weeks. This was nothing but good stuff for me. So I was about to say that's actually very unlike. <laughs> Usually, there's at least one don't, one don't stinker worry. in the bunch. Nico, Nico, I've got the other half of another of a na- the nail ready for next time. <laughs> oh God, another! Nail. I heard that you fucker. <laughs> <laughs> another nail in the coffin. <laughs> it's called another nail. Yeah, it's brutal. All right. <laughs> well, come on, dead man. We have to find out what it's like when the Joker's in hell. <laughs> we don't. We really don't. We don't need Anyways. to do anything. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. It's too bad you came back right at that moment. <laughs>
You'd be like listening back to the recording. What the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> yes, oh, you motherfuckers. <laughs> All right. Well, that's what you want. You don't know what fine. Nico and I plan when you're not here. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, if only I had anyway. something to just fire back at you guys with. <laughs> anyway, okay. Six Guns is a really fun forgotten Marvel comic that is yeah. only a Marvel comic in that Marvel released it. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> No, they, like, the tarantula is a legacy Marvel character. <laughs> You're stretching that, Tim. Look at that, that awesome is, that costume. Isn't. According to ComicVine.com, <laughs> sorry, sorry, according to ComicVine.GameSpot.com, uh, this tarantula is the fourth person to be called the tarantula. Yeah, look at those pictures okay, I posted in the enough. chat. Look at that awesome costume. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I actually kind of like the costume of the yeah. character, the tarantula in the Western. <laughs> I mean, and I mean, she kills someone by um, when they try to stab her. Her biting the finger and then using her teeth to jab the knife into the guy's neck. <laughs> yeah, murder. <laughs> so yeah, this is a fun, ridiculous, over-the-top, gritty western nice. in the middle of a superhero universe. <laughs> you I know, like down. you do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. So, my final book, let's talk about Extremity. Yes. Because I don't know when this will end. That This is the last issue, the one that you're talking about. Is it? Because it doesn't say anything about it being the last issue. Yeah. I, that's, that, I mean, that's what the artist said. I read it on, he talked about it on uh, Twitter, I think I read it. That, that was it. Like, that's the series. Yeah, like, there is no thing that says, hey, this is the end. There is no thing that says, like, Anything about Maybe it, it's not like, hey, issue 12 of 12. It's just right. extremity 12. The final panel is just a panel that stops like any other issue. I mean, maybe he's going to plans on returning to it. I don't know. As far as I know, that was it, though. Yeah. I mean, so, I, 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 I get where you're coming from with the ending, but. Yeah. yeah. So um, extremity 12 issue run series um, written, drawn, all that shit by uh, Daniel Warren Johnson, I believe. Yeah. Uh, with the only other guy listed on the cover being Mike Spicer as the colorist. And yeah, it is a... For those who missed it, uh, it is a fantasy-ish, sci-fi-ish series. Uh, all these people, uh, people, humanity, like, lives on these floating pillars and rocks and stuff. Um, the Earth itself has been, like, covered in monsters and shit so that people can't live down there. And everybody's divided up into individual tribes. And those tribes all have different colored and shaped, different color and shaped tattoos over their left eyes. And every single one of their like culture things revolve around like saluting somehow with that eye. Um, the Pasnina, I believe is they're called. They are a, they're yeah. a big like militaristic, imperialistic kind of tribe that goes out, that goes out there, takes over other ones and takes them all out. Uh, the Rado. Are, are the main tribe we're following and the story as it is is about this one family that is the family that is the current head of the Rado going on a massive quest to kill the Pasnina. Uh main character Thea, she was an artist who got her hand cut off by the uh by the Pasnina. Uh her her mom got killed. Her dad and brother are there watching it all, and her dad is the one leading the charge, going to go, let's, hey, let's murder everything. 
Her brother is very much against it, and she is in the middle trying to figure out what the fuck's happening. And as things progress uh, throughout the story, we get uh, we get to learn a bit more about like what potentially happened on Earth. Uh, we meet a character named Shiloh, who is a, I guess, a soldier robot thing. Yeah, yeah, he's some he kind of he's some kind of like sentient warbot uh, who doesn't want to do that anymore, and to the point of wanting to kill himself because of it. Yeah, he's really cool, like the design and stuff. Yeah, like him. He, he, you guys know that uh, manga, um, the a- Appleseed. He kind of yeah, looks he, like he, that guy. Yeah, he looks like a, he looks like a he looks like a more slim, streamlined version of that of the robot from Appleseed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, it's a cyborg, not a robot. But Sorry, yeah. yes, yeah. yeah, he he looks like that. Close of. enough. Yeah. So anyway, um, going into this last issue, um, the Rado, especially here, especially um, Thea's dad, is like, "Hey, we're gonna use fucking Shiloh. We're gonna do all this shit, and it's gonna be fucking great. We're gonna finally get a, get our revenge." So Shiloh tries to kill himself, and doing so turns into a giant flesh monster. I think that's what happens. It's been a while since issue eleven came out. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, but, I don't know. I can't. Remember. But yeah, and then during that, and yeah, during that time as he is like going through his horror, going through his whole suicide thing, um, Lorado uh, end up getting involved with this tribe of people that is made up of every tribe. All of them have like different fucking eye things, but they all just kind of live in harmony with each other because they don't want war anymore. And this is the thing that kind of ends up swaying Thea over to the, hey, let's not try to murder everything side. Mm-hmm. Uh, which ends up kind of being for nothing. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, yeah, it's it's basically just the, uh, it, it's a story of war and basically everyone loses. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, every, yeah. everyone so, that, yeah, loses in war. Yeah, by the, end, by, the end of the, by the end of the 12th issue and I guess the end of the series... Um, Thea's brother kills Shiloh for realsies mm-hmm. uh, her dad tries to kill the head of the Pazanina she comes in along with the head of the Pazanina's daughter stops it using her, using her robot arm but isn't destroying her robot arm um, she's like hey fucking cool it dude Let's just fucking put our murder boner back in our pants and, like, talk for a second. So Pasnina lady is, fuck that noise, stabs her in the back, kills her brother. Dad comes over, hits her with a fucking battle axe. Both of them fall off a ship to their death. The brother dies. And that's the end. Yeah. Just everyone she loves is dead. Doesn't have an arm. Can't draw. See you guys next time. Yeah, it was pretty tragic. <laughs> And she, and to add the salt to the wound, um, from that from that tribe of everybody, uh, she was given the na- she was given a new name by the uh, fucking elder lady who was like right, right. magic scripture shit called her peacemaker, mm. which I I guess she tried. Yeah, she did try, but also considering the fact that everyone that she tried to help died, she could also be peacemaker from fucking what was it? What was it? Fucking Charleston? What? That dude with the big stupid helmet? Oh, Superman. There's not a Superman character? No. No, he, no. Well, in, but in the pre-52, he was in Blue Beetle. He's the guy who loves peace so much he'll fight for it. Oh, 
Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to look. Was it he up. peacemaker yeah, I, I, or peacekeeper? I don't know. The peacemaker. Yeah, Charlton. Yeah. But yeah, stupid joke peacemaker. aside. Peacemaker. 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 Yeah, peacemaker. But yeah, so stupid yeah. joke aside. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it just. It's an abrupt ending. Yeah. That offers no closure. <laughs> no sense of accomplishment or sense of defeat. Just kind of. I still really liked it for what it was, though, but I no, agree I, I, with you. Up to that point, it was really solid. It just couldn't yeah. stick the landing. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's hard to argue that because you're absolutely right. It, Which is a real shame because fucking. Oh, the, the, art, the, the book was fucking beautiful to look at. Fuck. He's so good. Yeah, like, uh, even in this last issue, he does an amazing job with action, creature designs, yeah. robot designs, character designs. He is. He's ama- he's fantastic. He is like James Stoko level. <laughs> I was just about to say that he's up there for me now. For whatever he draws, I'll check it out. Like he's one yeah. of those artists. Like he's really, really fucking good. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I I agree with you though. There, it really, just other than like you know, it's the spoils of war. Like that's like it's really just. Yeah, it's just a story that he told where it was very tragic in the end. Nobody really won. There was not really any lessons learned. <laughs> I mean, like there, there kind of was in the sense that she she felt that she found a new place and like with that whole peace peacemaker thing that you just mentioned or peacekeeper whatever. Yeah, she shattered she the sword. Failed. She kind of failed in that regard as well, though. And, yeah, but and there so, was a hammer yeah. like next to that broken sword. So. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. yeah. No, I get I get where you're coming from, though. I uh, but yeah, for the visuals alone, I thought this was. Uh, was a, a, a good it was a, it was a good series i thought but yeah the ending's kind of yeah yeah so that's all i got nico final book uh okay so i'm just gonna quickly because we're running long on time talk about amazing spider-man 800 i as you guys know probably remember i i dropped this a long time ago with dan slot's run when he came when they relaunched it for like the fourth f- fucking time with yeah this a- everyone whole, dropped uh, it yeah with the whole uh tony Stark, Iron Iron Man, fucking Peter Parker, Parker Industries storyline. I just yeah. uh, there's a second I, I just, Spider-Man. Yeah, I just I think they just he lost sight of what made the character really good, and I get it. Like he was trying to like tell another different story just after his auto store Superior Spider-Man stuff, but at that point, I was just like, yeah, no, I'm not enjoying this for what I enjoy Spider-Man for anymore. So I'm gonna drop it and i had no idea that they are actually gonna finally let him leave the fucking book because <laughs> like i thought at that point we're, we're in for another five years yeah. of this so i'm i will revisit it when this storyline's done maybe but i'm not reading it when he as long as this is happening yeah dan slot is dead long live dan slot um so who's dane Sloot? exactly <laughs> um, hey, i'm durham slurt <laughs> and the new writer for spiderman Anyway, yeah, and and then I heard that there was a storyline happening that was called The Fall of Parker, where he basically, once again, loses it all. Ah, that old Parker <laughs> luck strikes again. Right. So I heard about that. Uh, a couple of people at the shop I work at part-time were reading it still, and they told me it's it was pretty good at that time. So I said, okay, 
I'll, I'll track down the back issues. I'll catch up. So I did. I read through the bullshit I even ended up dropping. Because I heard he was leaving the book. So I'm like, okay. I read this much. I read the rest of his run. I'll read this last fucking year of shitty comics just to get to the end here. Because 801 is actually the issue that he ends on. Which is going to be the next issue. Comes out in a week or two. This is 800 though. The fucking oversized $10 issue that Marvel likes to put out. Where it's like, you know, 60 something pages every once in a while. Um, so the creative teams on this. He basically brought back pretty much any really good artist that he worked with during his run on Spider-Man. Uh, that's including Nick Bradshaw, Umberto Ramos, Giuseppe Camicoli, Stuart Eminen, who has been, who's like uh, we talked about last episode is said, he's going to be scaling back his work in comics, but he, the last year or so he actually worked on uh, Spider-Man with Dan Slott, which looked spectacular and uh, Marcos Martin. So that's the, the artist that worked on this issue. Um, along with, uh, you know, uh, Wayne Von Grabadger, who's an inker that worked on a lot of good stuff, uh, as well as, uh, Ed, uh, some other people here. Um, I will say this, uh, some of the storylines leading up to issue 800, I still wasn't a fan of, um, the last story that they, they, they let, that led into this is after Fall of Parker was the Red Goblin storyline. Which is basically now uh, he had the Carnage symbiote Norman Osborn as well with the well, yeah with the uh, Goblin, uh, so they combined. Um, not to get into the ridiculousness of that. <laughs> um, no offense, but I feel like Carnage would just if it bonded to Osborn, it's like you know you're boring. He actually thought that Norman was more evil, so that's what attracted him. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, anyways. I'm not going to get into all the storylines. Like I said, I'm trying to just quickly mention this, but this 800th issue had a whole lot of fan service and great moments. Basically, the, this last arc has been called "Going Down, Go Go Down Swinging," and and that's basically what fucking Slot did. Um, this was a great issue. I really, really fucking love this issue. If you had dropped it like I did, and you just kind of wanted just to uh, read this and try to grasp what was kind of going on prior to this by going through it uh i really really fucking enjoyed this issue i think it just kind of had a lot of fan servicey moments that if you're a fan of this character or you're a fan of some of the really good stuff that slot did work on with this character at some points during this run or even just like a spider-man in general like there was a lot of great moments that kind of just felt very spider-man like and 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 kind of made me mad because i'm like why would you fucking waste the last two years of this character with these the these storylines that you've been doing uh like really most things post spider-verse i did not m much care for prior to this so. yeah um, I mean, like, there's a moment where he actually ends up having to put back on the Venom suit, like the symbiote suit, uh, um, uh, symbiote, whatever, um, uh, what's his name, uh, he fucking, uh, J. Jonah Jameson ends up wearing the Spider Slayer fucking, <laughs> like the- Of course he, he fucking he actually, does. Yeah, he, it, it's just ridiculously very throwback comic booky moments at Spider-Man, like, things if you, you know Spider-Man's history- or you know slots run that you would enjoy, I think. And uh, yeah, um, the big big thing that happened though is for now, um, Flash Thompson ended up uh, dying in this. Um, oh my god! Dying as anti venom, but I'm sure he'll be back because he is anti venom. Wait. But Eddie Brock's anti venom. No, uh, he um, Flash Thompson is now. What the? Yeah. <laughs> 
because Eddie Brock is now Venom again in the in the Venom. But proper didn't title. he become anti Venom because the Venom in his fucking body was turned into was fucking reversed by Mister Negative? I, I I didn't read the fucking Venom Inc. event tie-ins like other than the ones the two issues that were in this main series so i don't really know how it happened oh, I'm, sure it, I'm sure it happened during that again there's some things i don't know and also now that the fact that there's that chip zadarsky spider-man book and what's his name jay jonah jameson now knows that spider-man is peter like oh. that happened in that book yeah so th- like i said i i can't like i don't know everything that's been going on in these other fucking tie-in books for spider-man lately and some things were glossed over in this issue, and those aren't the things I was really in love with. But I was in love with the—I I did like the the dramatic moments, the kind of like the the moments of like he had with Flash in this. The moment of seeing him in this in the in the Venom outfit again was cool. Just like a lot of cool Spider-Man type moments that were, if you, like I said, if you're a fan of this character or if you're a fan of the good moments, the slots run, I think you'd really enjoy it. It paid off in spades for me. Like I really fucking like this 800th issue. So, Man, anyways, at, at this point, I'm just fucking ready for Spider-Man to become a Nazi. So bring on Nick Spencer's run. <laughs> it could happen, but it's gonna happen. At least very Peter. awesome, Ryan Otley. All right. <laughs> Um, so yeah, <sighs> anyways, Spider-Man 800, uh, 801, and this is the last considering issue. Considering how self-absorbed Peter is, even if he became a Nazi, it'd be like that thing seen from the producers, hail me. <laughs> no, no, it'd be like he begins eugenics programs to make everybody on Earth look like him. Just like, fuck the Aryan race, this is about the Peter race. He calls it Marvel Comics. <laughs> Oh, also, uh, one last thing. Uh, at the very end, there's a um, like an epilogue that uh, shows uh, <laughs> what's his name Otto ha- ha- got his own clone body after like I guess that clone event that happened in this that he's now walking around in. So he has a young, fresh, new, successful persona and body now. And at the end, the last page of the issue is is him going to work at, um, was it Alchemax that he used to work at in San Francisco? I guess Peter, before he had, he went to Peter Parker Industries. He's walking in there and he sees, uh, Miss Marconi, the, the woman that he was in love with when he was in Peter's body. Uh, um, and, uh, and basically the little person. And, and then he walks in at the end. He's like, then I shall endeavor to exceed your expectations. He says to his boss, uh, Max, whatever the fuck his name was that worked for Alchemax. He's um, like, let, okay. It's Horizon. Is it Horizon? Sorry. I'm thinking, yeah. what's Alchemax? Al- Alchemax is the evil company that Liz Allen works for. Sorry. Yes. Which is also mentioned in this issue. So that's why I got confused. Sorry. So he then's like, and then so he basically says to him, he's like, then I shall endeavor to exceed your expectations. Let others settle to greatness, Max. I always strive to be superior. superior. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then you just basically dun, see... Dun, dun. <laughs> and then you basically see an image of the superior Spider-Man standing beside him to let the readers know, oh, it's Ock. Get it's it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, anyways, um, yeah. I, he, he, he does he does show up, too, to kick the um, Red Goblin's ass in the issue before this to save uh, May Parker. Uh, and, and, why, uh, why can't Carnage bond with Doc Ock? <laughs> then I would have a, a, a... Then at least I would have a throwback to the ridiculously kind of stupid Spider-Man video game for the PS1, which was just run from Carnage Ock. And that's why. <laughs> 
and, and he basically when he shows up to, to, to save May Parker, he he yells out the die is cast once again, which was an awesome fucking line. I always liked what he said. You know, whatever he said that Everyone during this uses that line. I don't get it. <laughs> I did enjoy it though, because it was kind of like a throwback moment of like, because he overused it during his Superior Spider-Man run. And well, the die is cast. That whole fucking thing. So like the the fact that he showed up and used it one more time, I was like, nice. But he's a big fucking nerd, so it's the die is cast once again. Yeah. It's basically <laughs> basically Skeletor. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. Spider-Man. <laughs> Amazing Spider-Man. That'll take me with the power of Grayskull. I mean, Spider does. <laughs> yeah. Andy Hoosel. Yeah. Uh, that's what we're reading then. On to the news. So first off, kind of big news. Uh, Jeff Johns has yeah. left DC as the chief creative officer. Are we happy about that? Uh, well, Jim Lee's taken over as CCO. That could be good or bad. Uh, Dan DiDio is now full publisher. Ah, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, so Johns is uh, leaving DC, well, quote unquote, leaving DC uh, and launching Mad Ghost Productions, a banner that will see him be, that will see him making um, films, TVs and like films, TV shows and stuff like that um, with the with DC properties. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, he will be work. He's working on uh, Wonder Woman uh, 84, uh, working on the current DC stuff that's happening out there right now, like he was already doing. It's essentially taking his uh, position that he was basically doing before and making it more official. Because Jeff Johns has kind of been like the head of DC TV, I guess. Mm-hmm. For yeah, a while him now. And uh, what's his name? The, the Greg Berlanti? Yeah, Berlanti verse. Right. Yeah, so this is. So it's weird is, that he's that that guy's in charge of the DC TV universe because he made Green Lantern. <laughs> <laughs> Did he really? Yeah, he wrote oh. it. Didn't know that. Yeah, it was directed uh, by the guy who made an awesome movie, Goldeneye, but it was written well, by Mark Berlanti, well, Greg Berlanti, Greg. <laughs> Greg Berlanti, and Mark Guggenheim. That's the. Yeah, but I think that it also said, I don't know if it's in that article you had, that he, because of this, he's going to end up writing more comics again as well. As, like, they talked uh, about, I think he's, they said he he's going to do that three Joker story, finally, they said. Oh, I don't it, care. Yeah. <laughs> and then they also talked about, I think, uh, him doing, well, of course, he has to call it this. We, they have to fucking call it this now, but Captain Marvel fucking but shazam is what they're calling it he's gonna do another shazam series again now they're saying uh, yeah as well as well they well they want to set it up since they're gonna have uh yeah the movie with the rock as black adam shazam the only thing i want to the only one thing i want to see is the rock doing his eyebrow thing in the black adam (laughs) 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 what i want to see is how like the Rock. When I heard The Rock was cast in that movie, I was like, "Okay, yeah, he'll be he'll be Captain Marvel, and it'll be great." The Rock, just yeah. him being a ten year old, is fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. But then him being Black Adam, it'll be fun watching him try his damnedest to act. <laughs> because that's the thing with Black Adam. Like, yeah, he's the big fucking buff, burly, whatever. He's also like a character with like pathos and motive behind what he does. Mm. So you need like an actor. 
Okay. Well, he, he's very good at acting like a teenage boy trapped in the body of the rock. Yeah. Exactly. He <laughs> he is perfect for Captain Marvel. Way better yeah. than fucking Zachary Levi. Yeah. I don't know why. Yeah, that casting decision still baffles me, but he he's had to show some acting chops on the on the show he's been on, that baller show. I don't know if you've ever seen that. It's kinda of like Entourage, but he's well, he's acting He's, he's had to act quite a bit on that. Like, I wish you hadn't mentioned Entourage. <laughs> no, but yeah, like, is it I mean, acting or is it this or is it The Rock? No, I mean, I find I find he I, I like him in that show. To be honest, I I I, I see I get where you're saying because no, no, usually they thing. just like, kind of The Rock is a fantastic entertainer. Like I watched Rampage sure. and loved him in it. Mm. I didn't see that. But he's, I, I the, yeah. Rampage is actually is a really good movie. Really? As long as uh, it's like a big dumb fucking monster movie, right? But that's the thing. I think now he's he's just basically getting put in these big blockbusters, and like you said, he's just ba- well. I don't know. You didn't say it, but what I'm getting the impression is that you just basically put him as like the big action kind of star guy now, for the most part, right? Like that's yeah. Kind of, the new president. Yeah, I I don't know. I'm just I'm I'm iffy. Mm. Anywho, uh, moving along. Christmas news. Uh, so Wonder Woman Earth One Volume Two uh, has been postponed. Oh, for fuck's sakes! Yep, <laughs> it was originally we set- waited two years already. <laughs> yep, uh, it was originally set for release on August twenty first, uh, but it has now been pushed back to October 9th. Okay, that's not too bad, I guess. But still, yeah. So, yeah, I, mean- uh, I don't know. I want to see. Did, I want to read it, but I'm not quite as. After the first volume, I'm not quite as jazzed for an immediate continuation of Grant Morrison's run on Wonder Woman as I was the start of it. But uh, fair. I, yeah. I'm curious yeah. what it's going to be. Yeah, I'll read it. I mean, I, no, I, I will read I, it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's yeah. Grant Morrison, and I love Wonder Woman. So right. yeah, and Yannick right. Paquette. Yeah, he's yeah. also very good. Yeah, and no, and nothing in terms of bad Wonder Woman stories, nothing beats whom gods destroy. So. Holy fuck! <laughs> oh god! <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've ever been as pissed reading something for this show as I was reading that. <laughs> that really took it out of me. I was like, so, oh my moving on. God. Next piece of news: uh, Ethan Van Skyver. Uh, has announced that he is leaving DC Comics. Yeah. Nazi. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's a manscriber. He's been a DC exclusive artist for a while now. Um, He is leaving the the, uh, publisher for now uh, to focus on a revival of his creator-owned series, Cyberfrog. Okay. Yeah. Good luck with that one. <laughs> to, to quote uh, the little, to quote Mindy from Animaniacs, okay, I love you, bye-bye. <laughs> well, I, well, to be fair, um, he is, he's going back to, he's, so he's going back with a, um, so he's coming back with a 48-page um, original graphic novel uh, called Cyberfrog Blood Money, the first of four that are planned, <laughs> and he raised almost $200,000 on Indiegogo to get this made. Okay. So there's yeah, enough demand. Alliance. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I know mean, there's I been rumors care. about him being. A... <laughs> he's, sorry, his art Jack is man, good. I don't care. No, yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not fucking sitting here like, yeah, we need to fucking get hype about this, bro. 
Yeah. I'm not I'm not saying he, that. I'm just saying like <clears throat> He draws a mean Green Lantern. I'll give yeah. him that. Very good Green Lantern. And based on this fucking art I'm looking at, he draws a mean robotic frog. Yeah? Maybe I have to look this up. <laughs> Maybe I am interested in this. <laughs> Cyber frog. Eh? Yeah. Interesting. <sighs> and uh finally uh, weird bit of news. Uh, so, Stan Lee's business manager, Kaya Morgan, has been arrested. Ah, oh, fuck. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, he's been arrested um, under suspicion of filing a false police report. Uh, that the Los Angeles, uh, uh, th- this was confirmed to uh, the Hollywood Reporter by Daily PD. Uh yeah, this is this is part of like a big fucking thing. Is this related to that supposed break in a couple weeks ago? It's very messy. This whole story. Um, maybe I. This article's fucking big. Yeah. No. There's there's been there's been a, a the last like few months there's been a lot of documented like things that have been going on in his life where basically people that are close to him are being accused of ripping him off and, yeah uh, yeah yeah and, and, and like saying, and like, saying like uh like all the stuff posted on like Facebook and Twitter and stuff and not posted by him elder abuse right. and all kinds of shit apparently there was deals that were made he wasn't even aware of like yeah. with other companies it, it got very messy and then there was somebody who during all the sexual harassment things that were going on i think like somebody a housekeeper of his accused him of sexually harassing her there was a whole yeah bunch something of, like that yeah there's a lot of messiness going on over there but anyways yeah, yeah. but anyway uh so so uh, the lapd didn't release the exact details of the arrest but uh some people do believe that it may be involved with maybe involved with a a reported break in by two gunmen uh, looking for money at mm. uh Stanley's home. Mm. So yeah, this is this is getting weird. Yeah, I, I mean I honestly don't know what to say about this because it's just too weird and I don't have all the details. Yeah, we don't we don't have nearly enough information about like what's actually happening in there. So yeah, it's just, it's pretty shitty just because like, you know, he's not going to be with us for too much longer. He's really yeah, he's 95. Old. Yeah. And the fact that all this stuff is happening to him right now at the end of his life, you know, it's pretty like, you know, I, it's pretty shitty for him. That's all I got to say. But uh, yeah. So if anything more happens with that, we'll be, I'll be fucking, talking about it still mm-hmm. but that's it for this week thank you for joining us we'll be back at some point with more of this shit <laughs> but I'm dead I'm Birdie I'm Nico yeah, I'll see you guys next time <laughs>